Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lovely to be here, as always. And the, the team is back together, so we should give you as much content as we can. Not, not saying it's necessarily all going to be um, golden stuff, but it's going to be pretty good. As always, keen to get your opinions uh, on a, a lot of the things that we're talking about. I'll give you the contact details in a bit. Some of the stories we're talking about this morning um, include... As you heard in the news there, the man, uh, a man whose son was murdered in Hertfordshire has made a new appeal to find his body. We hear from the father of Murray Thomas, uh, Thompson, uh, Tony Thompson, later on in the show. Train fares across the UK are set for a rise today. Well, that's nice, and Happy New Year! Oh, lovely! Our reporter, Jane Killick, will be speaking to commuters in Bedfordshire. And a survey of teachers says over half their morale, uh, half rate their morale as low or very low. We speak to uh, a member of the NUT in Hertfordshire to find out exactly why this is. If you've got an opinion on any of these stories, then lots of ways to get in touch. You can, of course, go to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Always good to go there uh, and have a little Barney. Nice to have a little argument. Um, play nicely, don't be rude, but it's good to argue with some of the listeners. You can see why I enjoy it so much. You can also send us a text... Um, 81333, start your text 3CR, or, and the best way to get in touch is to give us a call. And at the start of the show, look, all of the lines are free. So book your space now, 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Couple of other things. We may also talk. We may we may do astrology today. If you heard yesterday's show, it was my rant. The, the Daily Express continue to milk this d- d- stone huh? of nonsense. Again, that sentence makes no sense. But astrology, I don't get it. We're going to try and get Russell Grant on the show today. If we can't get him today, we'll try and get him for tomorrow. But if anybody can phone in and defend astrology. Makes no sense whatsoever. It's nonsense. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. And when do you start to feel old? This is particularly pertinent with me. I turn forty this year. Yeah, I know. Don't laugh. What are you laughing for? Why is that funny? L- the young lady next door who's who's barely seen the the, the dark side of twenty. Yes, I turned forty. And uh, there's also a story uh, in the Telegraph today about life beginning at 40, but we feel old by 59. Let me tell you, I feel old now. When, do you, when did you, when do you start to feel old? 08459 455 555. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. Now, a man whose only child was murdered in Hertfordshire has made a new appeal to find the body of his son. Police searching for 34-year-old Murray Thompson found the flat he'd last visited had been used for growing cannabis. One man is currently serving a 21-year sentence for his murder. Murray's father, Tony, has offered a £5,000 reward for information leading to the discovery of his body. Our reporter, Victoria Cook, went to meet him. It came with just a complete bolt out of the blue. You know, we we were just on holiday when we had a phone call to say he was missing. And then we came back and everything took off from there, really. And it soon became obvious that, you know, it was a bit more sinister than he was just missing. Um, so, it really, the whole life was turned upside down in a in an instant, really. And then, yeah. obviously, the investigation began, and yes. um, we went from there in, into a trial, and we had someone mm. convicted of his murder, and there were other people there yeah. at the trial. But the main thing that came out of the trial was that nobody found Murray. 
and this is really why we're talking mm. today, isn't it? Well, yes, although convictions were successfully obtained, still no idea where Murray is or what happened to him, really. And it was during that last trial that the judge said that actually if James Evans, who's been convicted of his murder, had mm. said where Murray is, actually mm. he could have been given a more lenient sentence. But even then, the information wasn't forthcoming and he didn't tell you where Murray is. Well, that's, that's right. He was certainly offered an opportunity to help himself by saying where Murray was and pretty obvious he knows and he's not the only one that knows. But for whatever reason, they still chose to keep silent about it, which has been... The most difficult thing for, obviously, myself and Murray's mother. Coming up will be three years soon, and we've had no funeral. We've got no idea exactly what happened to him at the time, which we, we really need to know. It's just very difficult, and until such times as we can put him to rest properly. What we say? The thought process is wild. It's all speculation. I know you said he was in his 30s and so yes. he was a man, he wasn't mm. a child, but I suppose as his dad, that doesn't mm. really make any difference, does it? It doesn't matter what of age they're not. at, they're still no. your child, aren't they? Oh, yes. Well, he was my only child and, you know, we were quite close. We were very alike in many ways, everybody said, you know, even appearance and manners. Uh, he had a lot of qualities that I was very pleased he had and everybody liked him and that, that came across throughout the trials. Now, during so. the trial, I understand that you learnt about some parts of Murray's life that you didn't know about before which was in particular his association with this cannabis farm mm. how did that feel when you learnt about that well obviously it, it was quite a shock I had no idea whatsoever there was no signs from what he told us he was working in spare time renovating flats and I'd ask him what he was doing and that's what he'd tell me and I had no reason to suspect he was in any way involved in any crime whatsoever I know you want to get more information about what's happened to mm. Murray any sorts of information at all mm. and to try and get some of that information for people listening to this what can you tell them about what Murray was up to whereabouts was this um, cannabis farm and whereabouts did he live where were his friends what sort of local area mm. do you think people may know more well he'd been living in St Albans for a number of years a sort of um, ring of friends in everywhere he lived Hemel Hempstead and obviously Kings Langley where he was born and brought up there's probably the three main areas and Watford some association in Watford which is where the premises were it turns out that that he had some association with this wasn't just a small little operation there was there were several people involved and maybe some of them are still walking about and going on their business Later on, we'll be speaking to Hertfordshire Police to find out how the investigation into finding Murray is going. So, yeah, I turned 40 this year. No, I know. <clears throat> and Blondie still sounds like a fresh young band to me. That's how old I am. That's how... I've been practising kind of getting in the mood. The last 18 months or so, of the year, I've been saying, oh, I'm nearly 40. Oh, no, yeah, I'm nearly 40. So it's not such a, a shock to the system. But I'll be honest, 2013 holds very little. That, that, that excite, but, but we're moving house. My boys are three and one in January. That's great, fantastic. After January, it's all downhill. i become an old man. And uh, Richard, who's producing the show today, said, oh, you haven't, are you, you going to have a party? And I don't like birthday parties. I never celebrate birthdays and never do it at all. But this year... I have said to my wife, I want her to throw me a surprise birthday party. 
I want it to be one of those parties where I walk into a room and it's dark and the lights go on and all my friends are there going, surprise! And I'm like, oh! Oh, you guys! Who? Did you sort... Oh, God! Come on! I want that to happen. And I've been saying this to her for the last six months. And I want it to be fancy dress. I hate fancy dress as well. I hate it. But I want a fancy dress surprise party with a live band, right? And if she doesn't do this, I'm going to be so angry and so disappointed. Could be single by the end of the year. There we go. Very exciting indeed. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. When do you think you get old? When do you start feeling old? I'm a little bit nervous. 2013, I turned 40. Oh, dear. Did you get some good books over Christmas? I got the Pete Townsend autobiography. Oh, it's a cracking read. I haven't got to that bit yet. I haven't got to that bit. I'm looking forward to getting to that bit. It's a cracking read, though. He's kind of quite an un-rock-and-roll, rock-and-roll star. He's talking about how he's travelling the world and doing lots of drugs and alcohol and booze and things like that, which are very naughty, but that's what we expect our rock stars to do. And then he goes to see Cats, and he says, yeah, and uh, that Bonnie Langford was giving me the eye. Was Bonnie Langford! You're Pete Townsend from The Who! She's Bonnie Langford from Just William! For goodness sake, it's a brilliant read, though. I've got that, and I've got the Neil Young autobiography as well. I'm an old head at heart. I don't mind. Looking forward to that. And so, anyway, sorry, just going off on a slight tangent there, just um, celebrating the magic. My little treat. <laughs> so, I'm so nearly 40, I'm saying this stuff, and thinking, yeah, I am an old man. My little treat at the moment is going to bed a bit early. I was in bed at 10 to 8 last night, and, and reading two chapters from the Pete Townsend book. And that's all, because I, don't, I could read it all in one go, but I don't want to finish it too quickly. So two chapters... Have a little look at what the next chapter's about, then close it. That's my little treat. Now, here's some good news. Train fares across the UK are set for a rise today, especially off-peak prices. Isn't that wonderful? Yep, it's the 10th consecutive year of above-inflation fare increases. The average season ticket goes up by 4.2%, and some tickets will rise by more than double that amount. Campaigners and unions say the government is pricing ordinary people off the railway. So how difficult is it becoming to afford your train fare? Our reporter, Serena Farrow, asked commuters at Milton Keynes train station what they think. I mean, obviously, when you're seeing ticket price increases by 10 15%, it, it does make it very difficult. And if this is going to be the second one this year, that's another 30%. That's an incredible increase. Trains are still more affordable than, than using the car at the moment. So whilst that uh, status quo is maintained, then I shall probably start using the trains more often. Not so difficult for me because my company pays for my business travel, but for the average man on the street, it's going to be difficult, along with everything else that's going up at the same time. I have the young person's rail cards, but even with the uh, 30% discount on prices, I still feel it's quite a lot. I drive as well, I have a car, but I do find sometimes uh, taking a car is actually more worthy than taking a train because of the prices. I say if I wanted to drive to Wales, a ticket to take my parents, a uh, single for them would be about £40, £50. Myself could be about £30. So I could take a run in a car for on £30 of fuel, get there one way, you know. But I do think that they need to be more efficiency in prices. I think they're too expensive as it is, so like, going up more is even worse. Yeah, probably the same. I tried to buy a ticket the other day and it was £150 without a rail card. Would have been ludicrous otherwise, so. I tend to book in a way in advance now, so you get better prepared to make sure it doesn't get you. Like, I've just come from Birmingham, it's only cost me £7. But if I'd have bought it today, I hate to think what it would have cost me. It's not too bad, it's just I don't think it's worth the actual money. The trains are full, standing room, there's n- never enough seats. But it's just uncomfortable. For the money you pay, the service is not quite good enough. 
Well, joining me now is Martin Howard, Secretary of Saunderton Rail Users Group. Morning, Martin. Good morning, Ian. How are you? Today? Yeah, I'm good, thank you very much. The, these fair increases, are they justified, do you think? Uh, not really, no. Thanks very much for coming on. <laughs> why, why not? Well, I, I think the problem is, is that, quite simply, people are being priced out of the railway. Um, I mean, we do have a bit of an unusual situation around where we are, because we've actually persuaded our local rail company not to put our prices up. Well, hang on a second, that is unusual. How on earth have you done that? Um, because they're not, the trains are getting worse, not better. Right. So, um, basically, last week, they agreed at Princess Risborough and at Saunderton that our season ticket prices wouldn't go up. And how did you make that happen? Did you all kind of, did, did you get a petition? Did you all turn up en masse? Yeah, there's a local rail action group has been set up. Uh, we've got the rail user group here. And um, last week, Chilton Railways just agreed that they wouldn't be putting the prices up. And, and because th they acknowledged that their service was so poor? The service has not improved as much as they would have wanted it to. But there are some places on this line where the fares are going up by over 9%. Wow. Do you think other commuters, if they wanted to, to take the action that you've done and, and do that, would they be able to? Would the, the train companies listen? I'm not sure that it would happen uh, everywhere, simply because they've got to get the money from somewhere. Mm. That, that's, that's the real truth of the matter. There is only so much money to go around, and uh, it, it's difficult. And there are people who would argue, and we've had people on this show in the past arguing about these fares, saying, well, you, you know, the money has to come from somewhere, as you've said. There, there are increased fuel prices, um, the, 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 the more costs. The, they have to go up, don't they? I, I think they do, in reality. Um, and it's getting a balance. I, I think part of the problem is, is that the way that they set the prices is just so complicated that, that people don't understand what is going on. With your fr your price freeze that you've managed to get, and is that is that for the year? Uh, yes, yeah, season ticket prices uh, for this station and at Princess Risborough are not going up today. Do you think that that means that possibly uh, uh, other fares are going up slightly more to cover uh, your freeze? Uh, uh, well, not as a direct result of it, because it's just a massive, big, you know, complicated formula that they, that they use. Mm. But um, over the last two or three weeks. Um, ch certainly Chiltern Railways have dropped a number of the... Pr well, they're putting price rises up less than they were going to. Let's put it like that. So like what's, that. what's wrong with your service? What, what, what are you so unhappy about with your service, Martin? Um, well, uh, from the beginning of December, they broadly halved the number of peak hour trains from our station. Mm. Um, that's not good. You know, if I want to get to work to London, I live 33 miles from London... Um, I've got a train at three minutes to six, I've got one just after seven, and that's it until if I want to get to work before nine o'clock. And can you get, do, could you always get seats on there? Is it oh, yeah, there's plenty of seats nowadays, but right. that's part of the problem, um, is that you've got seats, but they're but, uh, on, on slow trains. If the service was improved, would you be happy to, to, to pay more money? Um, I would have been quite happy to pocket the same fare rise as other people if we'd got a decent service. And have, the, have your train companies said they're going to improve the service at all? Or uh, No, that's why they've frozen the prices, because right. there's no prospect of it happening. OK. Martin, listen, thank you very much indeed. Martin Howard, Secretary of Saunderton Rail Users Group. Unique, I suggest, in that the, the, the train fares haven't gone up, but they've frozen. A lot of them got together, went to the train company, said, your train service sucks. I said, sucks. And they went, yeah, actually, you're right, fair play. We won't put the prices up.
I can't imagine that happening anywhere else. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Have you bought a new season ticket? Uh, have you gone into work today or used the trains and been shocked? by the price increase. Do give us a call, 08459 455 555. You might be one of those people, and we have had some calling in going, well, do you know what, actually? I, don't, I think that the trains are quite fair. I don't mind paying a bit more. That's how these things work. It's inflation. We have to do it. Do give us a call. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now... Life begins at 40, apparently. Apparently. I'm not convinced by that. I think once you're 37 and over, you're past it. The best, I do, I think the best days are behind you. Certainly are for me. Well, the focus changes in any, uh, anyway. I'm 40 this year. And there's a, it, it's, there's a story in the Daily Telegraph today that says I might only have about 19 years, the best years of my life ahead of me. A survey by the Department of Work and Pension says we think we, uh, old age starts at 59. Government researchers who interviewed two, over 2,000 people found that on average the moment when we believe we've reached old age is precisely 59 years, 2 months and 2 weeks. On average, women think old age starts at 60 years, 4 months. Men think it starts at 58. Under 50 said old age begins staggeringly early at just 46. Oh my God. It's all downhill from me. OK. When does old age start? That's the question. When do you get old? 08459... Four double five five double five. I know we have a lot of um, slightly older listeners, shall we say, heritage listeners. It's <laughs> a good phrase. When did old age start for you? Or maybe it hasn't. Oh eight four five nine four. Oh eight four five nine. Can you hear me? Four double five five double five. When does old age start? And any tips for turning forty with grace? Please. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Got a couple of lines free, so now is an excellent time to give us a call. It's nearly six thirty. Let's get the latest news and sport with Catherine Boyle. Remember her? That's your latest news and sport. More from me at seven o'clock. Ah. What's the matter? Huh? Are you all right? Yeah. Are you all right? Yeah, fine. Yeah. Did you um, have a good Christmas and New Year? I had a lovely Christmas and New Year. Excellent. Did you miss me? Um. Yes. Is that the answer you wanted? <sighs> Without being sarcastic and a bit more convincing. Yes. Good. Very much. We'll try again in an hour, OK? okay? Thank I'll you. practice. Thank you. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up in the show this morning, including teacher morale is at an all-time low, rail increases, and when do you start... When do you get old? When do you get old? Oh, eight four five nine. Four double five, five double five. Now, the National Union of Teachers claims that there is a crisis of morale in their profession at the moment. Over half of the 800 teachers surveyed rated their morale as low or very low. Well, Frank Branny is the Divisional Secretary for the NUT in Hertfordshire. Morning, Frank. Good morning. Why, why is teacher morale seemingly so low? Uh, because teachers seem to be uh, the chosen ones for any sort of new initiative uh, that demeans your working conditions. But there are, a lot of people could say that, though, couldn't they? Doctors could say that, and nurses could say that, and, and everybody could say that at the moment, couldn't they? Um, yeah, but I think with teachers it's more extreme, because everyone went to school, so they all feel like experts and have an opinion on uh, how education should go. But we, uh, we, we should have opinions on how education should go, shouldn't we? We should, but it should be based on uh, training and uh, experience. 
Well, not necessarily. As a parent, I have I have no training or or experience, but I I feel I have uh, a, a, a good idea of what I want from teachers and from schools. Yeah, but I think uh, you also have a good idea of uh, you've been with your children for a long time. You picked up an awful lot of experience by bringing them up. Are we seeing a decline in the number of people applying to be teachers at the no, moment? No, because of unemployment, there's still plenty coming in. They just don't stay very long when they get there. H- how long do they stay? Um, about 50% have left within two years. Wow. Wow. And, and wh- why is that specifically? You say it's because of the way the government are treating them. Wh- what specific reasons are, are people giving for leaving so quickly? Right, well, the whole barrage. I mean, one is unreasonable expectation, expectations. Second one is ridiculous working hours. Our third one is uh, no career development because people are being frozen whereas they used to progress. Mm. Um, so a lot, and then the pensions being taken, and we've been in a pay freeze for quite a while. But Frank, but Frank, again, that, that's happening to everybody. That's not just teachers, is it? Well, if you see everyone suffering, you do something about it. You don't just say, "Well, it's okay." You know, let's just carry on because everyone else is suffering. So we don't, we don't all come down to the lowest point. Well, what are you doing about it then? Right, well, we've been marching in London, we've been sort of uh, writing to MPs, we've been recruiting, we've been trying to join with other unions so as a collective action and people can actually start respecting different careers and valuing them rather than things that seem uh, not to serve society, things that serve society should be looked after and developed. I, I, to be honest, Frank, you talk about people leaving after a couple of years. If they haven't got what it takes to, to withstand more than two years, good riddance to them, surely. Well, fair enough, I mean, if they're not up to it, but the selection processes are quite uh, good now, um, but the problem is the expectations for what you're going to achieve with the children is ridiculous because they make it so that it's impossible. Every child should make good progress, every child should get a good education, but there are limits, and I think ignoring those limits and pretending we can ever increase is not reality. How much do teachers earn? Uh, a young teacher coming in probably on about twenty four, twenty five thousand. And what could that go up to? Uh, if you're a head teacher, you might be write your own wage if you're in an academy. Uh, really? Well, basically, so long as the governing body and the chair of the the um, academy board agree it, then that's fine. Because no you don't need to be a proper teacher in in an academy, do you? Um, Anyone no, can go well, in and have a go. Well, basically, in free schools, the only person who's got to be a qualified teacher is a special needs teacher. Not right. even the head teacher needs to be a qualified teacher. But that's in free schools. Uh, and what about the, the out of uh, in free schools? How much can a head teacher earn? Uh, again, there's no limit. Um, it's basically whatever the board of trustees of the uh, free school wish to. Well, that's pay. that's something to aim towards, isn't it? Um, well, not everyone could be ahead. Um, most people, an awful lot of people, are like support assistants and things, doing the work of teachers, and then uh, the money's not paid to professionals. And then it's only a matter of time before you buy things off the internet rather than preparing your lessons and teaching to suit the needs of individual children. How is this going to affect the kids? Right, well, deterioration in the quality of teaching, because if you don't get people that stay put and gain experience, then what you constantly get is a massive turnover of keen enthusiasts who haven't got the built-up skills that take years to achieve. Well, then, surely, Frank, you say that the screening process is, is, is very rigid, but obviously it isn't. If people, aren't, if people are lasting two years years, and they're, as you say, keen enthusiasts, and they're, they're kind of coming and going, then there, there must be something wrong with the screening process. Well, I would say the people they select are actually very good, but they... Haven't got the staying power. They can't stay for that amount of time, because it's unrealistic and it's unsustainable. Well, th- but then that should be explained to them.
them at the very, very start, shouldn't it? Well, we're even in a position now where, with our local authority c- uh, cuts, instead of having large numbers of people to support, there's now one or two for the whole county. So when they do get into difficulties, support is through the unions more than through the county. Listen, I, uh, Frank, I'm a big fan of um, excellent teachers, and I, I remember a, a handful of excellent teachers who were inspirational, yeah. who uh, were creative in the way they taught their respective subjects, and they were wonderful. I remember a handful. I remember far more teachers that were rubbish. Yeah, but the thing is, I think what you've got to look at is, in the past, education was very different. Now I would say the standard of education is incredible, but it's not valued, whereas in the past a good teacher was valued tremendously. Are there going to be strikes, Frank? Um, Yes, there will, because basically people have been pushed into a corner. They're job career, their pensions have been taken and reduced and the whole life has been made much more unpleasant and unsustainable. When do you think we could start seeing these strikes? Uh, in the spring, probably March, uh, January, March March, April time uh, it'll, it'll kick off in a big way and then it'll escalate. And, and uh, what would you say to those parents who are sat at home going oh for goodness, what am I going to do with the kids? Well I think you need to get a political uh, group in that will actually value education and val- value children's careers and jobs. Frank, thank you very much indeed. That's Frank uh, Brainy, the Divisional Secretary for the NUT in Hertfordshire, talking about the survey that says morale amongst teachers is dangerously low. Are you a teacher? Is your morale dangerously low? Could you give us a call? 08459 455 555. Teachers are important. They're responsible for your kids and their education, obviously, and, and, and to a certain extent, their upbringing. Do we value them enough? Do you think that, 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 that Frank is right there? That teachers should be respected more and paid more and their pension should be more? Or do you think, oh, for goodness sakes, not again. Listen, we've all got to put up with it at the moment. Everyone's suffering, everyone's struggling. Get over yourselves. I had some great teachers at school. But a handful. Three. I can think of three. There were dozens that were, you know, sort of... uh, They were all right, they were adequate. And there were quite a few that were rubbish. Absolutely rubbish. And to be honest, if there are people that are coming into the teaching profession and only lasting two years because they can't handle it, well, good riddance to them. We don't particularly want them. We want the good ones. We want the ones with staying power. We want the ones that see it not as a job, as a career, as a vocation, as a way of life. That's what we want. I nearly became a, a, a teacher. I know. Uh, about f- 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 four or five years ago, I can't remember. Um, and I went and had the meetings. I was in primary school, not teenagers. Are you joking? I, I remember what I was like as a 15-year-old boy. I was a right little so-and-so. Primary school. I went and had the meetings. Uh, went to a, a talk about it. Um, they were particularly keen to get men to be primary school teachers. They don't have, have any male primary school teachers. Hardly any. So I went to this meeting and I, I got in touch with a tiny little primary school and spoke to the headmaster, who was, was very enthusiastic about me going in and spending a couple of days there, and I was yay close to doing it. And then I got, uh, then we, we got, I found out my wife was pregnant and I got offered some more work and I thought, you know what, taking the pay cut, for it would have been a pay cut, uh, with a child on the way, is perhaps not the most sensible idea. Will still happen. It will happen one day when this gravy train comes off its biscuit wheels. Oh boy, I'll do it. Of course I will. But I'm going to melt this bad boy for as long as I can. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Coming up before seven, we're speaking to someone who I think is officially old. 
When do, I think, I hope she won't think that's too rude. When do you become old? 08459 455 555. Someone who'll never age. Yeah. Sophie Tyler with the travel. Big up yourself, Sophie. No idea why I said that. I do apologise. Hey, good news, kids. Rail fare prices go up. Yay! Today! Train fares across the three counties are set for a rise today, especially off-peak prices. It's the tenth consecutive year of above-inflation fare increases. What are you doing to celebrate? Not getting the train, probably. Well, our reporter, Jane Killick, is on her way to Luton train station this morning. Morning, Jane. Good morning. Whereabouts are you at the moment? Um, I am adjacent to the car park where commuters will park to take their train into London this morning. Excellent. Quite a mild morning, Jane, as well. Well, it is. I've got my jumper and my coat, and uh, neither of them are done up at the moment. Oh, saucy. Is it looking particularly busy at the moment? Are, are people starting to arrive? I have to say, the lull after the new year appears to be continuing. Wow. It's jolly quiet. Wait, hang on a minute. It, it, it's the 2nd of January. It, it, it's normal service is resumed, surely. Oh, I don't know. Some of these people, they seem to have three weeks off over Christmas. I don't know. I'm sure it will pick up okay. at 7 o'clock. OK, well, I, 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 can you remind us of the details of these increases? Well, the average season ticket increase is 4.3%, which is obviously above the rate of inflation. Um, for all tickets overall, not season tickets, that's 3.9%. But over the last 10 years, campaigners say that the increase has been, for some people... 50% over the last decade. Figures from the Campaign for Better Transport say the average season ticket has gone up by £1,300. That's 20% faster than wages have gone up. Um, in real terms, that is, is the equivalent of £360. However, if you travel from Stevenage into London, then uh, over the last 10 years, the price has gone up by 30%, which is £772, which is actually less than the rise of inflation. Uh, Jane, so you, listen, you, just tell us exactly where you are again, so if people want to come and find you and say hello and give you their gripes, they can do. Oh, gosh. Um, well, you know the car park behind yeah. the railway station? Yeah. I can't get in there with my radio car. Oh, so is it too I'm big? On a, a little road, a little side road. Lovely. Um, next to that. Okay. So that, that, but we're, <laughs> we're, we're sending people your way, Jane, and Thank maybe someone will bring much. you... If someone brings you a cup of coffee or a sandwich, don't eat it or drink it. Oh, okay. That's, that's my top, top tip. Never, never eat food or, or drink drinks from the listeners. Ah, bad experience once. Uh, so th- there you go. What, what do you make of that? Are you, you uh, upset and shocked by these rail fare increases? Were you kind of thinking, well, do you know what, actually? If we, if we can get someone to call in and say, well, actually, I don't think it's such a bad thing. I, it has to happen. I wait four five nine four double five five double five. Now, this year, 2013... An important... Well, the first month is very important. My boys turn three and one, and we move house. Hopefully, fingers crossed, touch wood. I also turned 40 in June. I I know, and it hadn't really hit me until this morning, because I saw a story in the Telegraph. Life begins at 40, but we feel old by 59. Government researchers uh, interviewed over 2,000 people uh, found that we, uh, that we believe we've reached old age at 59 years and two months. Really? When do you turn old? Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five. Doris is in Stevenage. Morning, Doris. Good morning. Now, when when did you turn old? Well, I'm still turning old. I beg your pardon. I'm still turning old. May, may I ask what age are you? I should be ninety-one in April. Well, well, congratulations you for making it this long. Well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what are you doing at the moment, Doris? Sitting down, having a cup of tea, and waiting to get my porridge done. You're waiting to get your what? Done your pies? 
Porridge. Oh, your porridge. I thought you yeah. said your pies. I thought, blimey, <laughs> there we go. No, pies. So, uh, do you not... Doris, with, with, with all due respect, do you not feel that you turned old about, I don't know, 50 years ago? Well, I do, yes. Well, I don't say 50 years ago, but I mean... 45? 12 months ago, I was in hospital in, in an um, intensive care. Oh, blimey. I you... had a fall and smashed my leg. Oh, Doris! But I'm going on now. I've had all my exercises. I do them every morning. Exercises every morning? Yes. I barely do them every year. What have you done this morning? Push-ups, weightlifting? Well, are you sitting down? Yes. One leg forward and the other leg back. Oh. Toe and heel. Yeah. And then punch your arms, forward and backwards. So you're doing karate? Yeah. Blimey heck. Well, I don't say it's karate, but More it kung does fu. keep me going. D- <laughs> I bet, I bet it I does. went to a recap hospital, and they got me exercising every day. So, Doris, you're saying you're, you're going to be 91, and you don't, feel, you don't feel you're old? Well, no, not really. A- any tips for me turning 40, Doris? 40? Yeah. Do you remember that? I worked hard. Yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't like that advice. <laughs> Any other tips that I'm worried that when I turn forty, that's it, everything's going to drop off and I'm going to be useless. <laughs> no, you mustn't feel like that. Are you no. sure? No, you need Do- to keep exercising. Doris, listen. Heel, toe, and punch your arms forward and back. I will do that, and Doris. Up and down. Thank, yes, thank you so much for calling. Have a okay. lovely day. Happy New Year to everyone. And you I too, my dear. You. Enjoy your porridge. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. When do you start to feel old, Sophie? Yes. When do you think you turn old? I know you're still a sprightly young thing, but, but, <laughs> but, but when do you think you turn old? Uh, oh, not not till about 65 or so, I'd say. <laughs> You've offended most of our listeners. Thank you, Sophie. Okay, so Sophie thinks 65. I'm, I'm thinking 40. We had a caller then who's going to be 91 this year, doesn't think she's old yet. When do you turn old? We'll discuss more after the latest news and sport with Catherine Boyle. She's old. So, Catherine. Yes. When did you turn old? When pop stars started being a lot younger than me. So, in the late 70s? <laughs> I was only born in the late 70s. Yeah, that's what you say. <laughs> Showbiz. Born in the late 70s. Morning, dear listener. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. We're back to normal service. It's the second day of January... 2013. Lots going on. We'll be talking astrology later on. Yes, I know. I, I, it really does get my goat. How can people believe that planets and stars affect our health? I'll read you my health for 2013 from the Daily Express later on. <laughs> it's ridiculous. You can give us a call later on and talk about that. I'll give you the contact details in a bit. Other things that we are discussing this morning. Some light, some not quite so light, including... A man whose son was murdered in Hertfordshire has made a new appeal to find his body. We'll speak to Kate Whaley from the Hertfordshire-based organisation Mothers Against Murder and Aggression. One in ten young people feel they cannot cope with day-to-day life, according to a new report from the Prince's Trust. We hear from John Archer, the chief executive of LAMP, a Luton-based youth charity. And when do you think you turn old? Doris called up. She was 91. And she says she's still turning old. I'm turning 40 this year. I think that once you get to 40, that's it. You're past it. And Sophie on Travel thinks you turn old at 65. What about you? 08459 455 555. You can send us a text as well. 81333. Starting your text 3CR, or go to the Facebook page, and it's good you can go there 
and you can kind of have an argument with other listeners who disagree about things. It's good fun. It's good fun for me to read it, and I'm sure it's very cathartic for you too. Play nice, don't be rude, but do have a proper Barney. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. BBC Three Counties Radio. A man whose only child was murdered in Hertfordshire has made a new appeal to find the body of his son. Police searching for 34-year-old Murray Thompson found the flat he'd last visited had been used for growing cannabis. One man is currently serving a 21-year sentence for his murder. Murray's father, Tony, has offered a £5,000 reward for information leading to his discovery. It'll be three years soon and we've had no funeral. We've got no idea exactly what happened to him at the time which we we really need to know it's just very difficult and until such times as we can put him to rest properly as we say the thought process is wild it's all speculation please for for our sakes um, the family his friends we just want to know what happened to him where he is and so we can finally say goodbye to him in a in a proper way There's just no conclusion to anything. You know, we just want someone to come forward and say what they know. Well, Kate Whaley is from the Hertfordshire-based organisation Mothers Against Murder and Aggression. Morning, Kate. Morning, Ian. Uh, You deal with families who are forced to cope with tragedies like this. I I imagine that's hard. Of course, it's hard in itself. It must be even harder when the body of the victim hasn't been found. It it is. I mean, you know, to lose somebody to um, a, a violent death, um, such as homicide is traumatic in itself for for anybody. Um, if you put on top of that um, a, a failure to um, find or, or receive back the remains of your loved one, you, you're adding a, a further trauma on top of what is on already a, an incredible difficult, uh, incredibly difficult trauma to cope with anyway. I think I, I can probably guess the answer to this, but how did you get involved with this organisation, Kate? Um, my family were actually uh, affected by homicide, mm. and um, I became involved with the organisation shortly after that. And uh, uh, do you find it helpful for yourself to be helping others? Um, yes, I, you know, I, I suppose it is. Um, it's helpful for me to do it but I think because you've because you've had the experience mm. because you understand um, exactly how it feels it's a, a lot easier to, to mm. help other people and what help do you give to other people who come to you Kate? anything I mean it's practical emotional there are families who face um, issues with housing or benefit systems or um, perhaps um, health issues, people that need um, counselling or therapy, we can access trauma therapies like CBT or EMDR for individuals that need that, for example. Um, There are help with funeral arrangements. It can be absolutely Mm. assisting with any issue that you face as a direct result of homicide. And how how do people come to you, Kate? uh, Do they kind of find you in the yellow pages? Do their doctors refer them to to you? Multitude of ways. I mean, they can be referred, they can self-refer, which which, um, happens a lot. Um, Or they can be referred by their police family liaison officers, 
their probation, victim liaison officers, doctors, sometimes school teachers, often mental health teams, or they just stumble across us um, online or through the yellow pages, as you just described. It's interesting you mentioned that the, the police and the liaison officers there, because I, I was going to ask, does the, does the justice system do enough for victims' families? Um, in, in most cases, yes. Sometimes um, things don't work or don't go quite as smoothly as, as everybody would like them to. But I think, on the whole, the criminal justice system does as much as it can um, to, to help individuals bereaved by... I mean, when you're faced with somebody that's bereaved by homicide, mm. you're a person and you know that that must be incredibly difficult for the person you're dealing with. And just humanely, you want to do the very best to, to help that person come to terms with the situation that, that they found themselves in. And what are the... the this, is, this is probably impossible to answer, but what, what are the kind of general feelings that, peop, that, that, that family members are having? Is it anger? Is it guilt? Is it d- d- remorse? What, what, what kind of things are they dealing with? Most um, people that... I, I think the victims commissioner, former victims commissioner... Louise Casey did some research and over 80% of individuals who are bereaved by homicide suffer from some kind of mental health effect. Mm. Lots of those are um, PTSD. So, so a lot of people are diagnosed eventually with post-traumatic stress. The change in emotion and feeling when you're, when you're suffering from something like that is second by second, minute by minute. Mm. So one minute you can be angry the next minute you can be very confused the next minute you can be very um feel very guilty your emotions are all over the place that there probably wouldn't be an emotion that somebody doesn't go through after they're bereaved by homicide do you not find it too painful kate do you never think oh do you know what i can't i can't deal with this anymore no really no no i mean it's just you know you're doing something for somebody that, that needs an incredible amount of help, you understand how much help they, they actually need because you've been there. And you know that there's not that much help out there. So you're doing something that you really believe needs to be done. And, and that in itself is, is good. I think it's a good feeling. Kate, is there a website if people that, that want to have a little look at, at what you do? A very nice, simple www.mama.org. There we go. Fantastic. Kate, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks very much. That's uh, Kate Whaley from the Hertfordshire-based organisation Mothers Against Murder and Aggression. And mama.org is the website if you want to go and have a look at that. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. So, uh, should we have a quick look at the front pages while we're here? Let's have a little look and see what uh, what's happening in the world. Uh, the Independent, fe- or oh, 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 the Eye. Hang on a minute, we've been sent the Eye. <clears throat> what's going on here? This is un- unconventional. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. By the way, is uh, if you want to give us a call. <clears throat> The eye. Fair hikes make rail travel an extravagance. Increases, what we've been talking about all morning, and if this has touched you, then do give us a call. Increases of up to 10% kick in today. Prices have risen three times faster than wages. England has most expensive rail travel in Europe. Hey, that's something to be proud of, isn't it? 
and there's a picture of a footballer. I did, the, the footballer uh, struck me because did you see um, um, uh, who's that footballer? Name a footballer. Rio Ferdinand. That's the fella. Did you see the tweet he did on New Year's Eve? Spare a thought for uh, me and the boys uh, going to bed early while you're out celebrating. Hashtag love the game. And someone replied to him, Yeah, spare a thought for everybody who's not earning eighty thousand pounds a week. You silly sausage. <laughs> so out of touch with the real world. You spare a thought for us. Uh, Got our head down. No, we're not celebrating New Year's Eve. Yeah, you're getting 80 grand a week? I would go to sleep on New Year's Eve for 80 grand a week. Uh, the Guardian. Police watchdog. Hillsborough will be our greatest challenge. IPCC. Chief says inquiry. More testing than any previous high-profile cases. And look, there's a picture of idiots going for a swim on New Year's Day in Scotland. And they are idiots. Why would you do that? That ridiculous... Oh, I know what. It's New Year's Day. Let's go for a swim. In the river. Don't be so stupid. Look, they're freezing. Because it's freezing. It's New Year's Day and it's in Scotland. It's going to be cold any time there. Ridiculous. I hate all that nonsense. Uh, the Times. Companies pay MPs in lobbying free-for-all. Oh, what a surprise. MPs and peers have received hundreds of thousands of pounds from arms manufacturers, pharmaceutical companies and foreign governments to sponsor parliamentary special interest groups. Anyone surprised by that? Anybody here surprised by that in the slightest? No, of course not. Um, let's have a look. All over the place. The Telegraph. £100,000 payoffs for council chiefs. Councils have given payoffs of £100,000 or more to 135 officials leaving their jobs in the past year. Ministers told local authorities to end the culture of eye-watering compensation packages of up to £420,000 for former bosses. Um, an Afghan warlord. Prince is a jackal killing innocents. Prince? Oh, Prince Harry, I see. Second thought was the pop scene. Uh, the Daily Express millions will get pensions boost. Surging share prices behind new windfall, and they're still carry on, carrying on this nonsense. Your stars for 2013. Free inside. Astrologer Laurie Reed's guide to how you can improve your health this year. I'll read my health stars later on for 2013. It's ridiculous. A nine-year-old could have written it. And the sun, massacre guns on sale in the UK. School slayer weapons are legal here. Ripper Street continues Sunday at nine on BBC One and BBC One HD. That's a jolly little trail, isn't it, first thing in the morning? Ripper Street. Oh, Happy New Year. Quarter past seven. How are the kids? Now, rail campaigners say they are holding protests at stations throughout the UK against the rising costs of rail travel and planned cuts to services and staff. They've been organised by the... uh, uh, um, Oh, no, hang on. This is an old thing. This is an old thing. What am I reading this for? This is an old line that I'm reading about. The line I should be reading about is about train fares are going up. They're continually going up, uh, and they've gone up again today with some uh, quite high... Let's look at one of the front pages of the newspapers, because it's on there. That's an old thing I'm reading there. Look. Fare hikes make rail travel an extravagance. This is the front of the eye. Increases of up to 10% kick in today. Prices have risen three times faster than wages. And England has the most expensive rail travel in Europe. English travellers pay far more than the Welsh or the Scots. Well, joining us now is Murray Brown, editor of the Rail Express magazine. Morning, Murray. Murray, where are you? Are you there? I'm here. You're yes. there, sorry. I had the wrong fader. The train fare's going oh, up. I've been faded. The, the, you've, you've been faded back on now, sir, so you're, you're with us. Welcome. Uh, train fare's continually going up and up and up. Why is that the case? I think you can blame the government. Um, because they, 
the decision has been made that the passenger has to pay 75% of the operating costs of the trains. Now, what happens is that uh, this is why the fares uh, go up above inflation. Now, the train operating companies were required to increase the price of control fares by 3% above the level of inflation. Now, this means that the average will be just 4.2% from this January. Mm. Now, uh, what is interesting, though, is that the firms that supply London and the South East, for instance, our own First Capital Connect, yes. and Greater Anglia, and, say, uh, South Eastern, they are already meeting 80% of the cost of the train fare. Now, you can then ask, why on earth are the fares in this part of the country still going up? The answer is, dear listener, that it is to subsidise the rest of the country. What? How is that fair? The reason is that fares in the outlying districts up in the north, for instance Leeds and the north-west, are only 40% covering the costs of the train fare. Now, in Scotland, it's even worse because it's only 25%, a quarter of the, of the cost of running the trains. So, in effect, we are subsidising the rest of the country. Now, um, at least the government uh, last January decided that this was just too onerous and actually reduced it, scaled it back to 1% mm. above the retail price index. But it's, uh, it's not good for us in this part of the country. So are we subsidising, like, Newcastle and yes, Scotland? Indeed. that is exactly the case. Now, you could then ask, well. why does it cost so much to run the railways? The government has indeed asked that very question and conducted a very extensive report uh, by Mr McNulty. It's known as the McNulty Report. Yeah. And he's identified um, several billion that could be cut off the cost of running the railways. And in fact, um, the whole of the rail industry is now trying to do just this. There is a huge amount going on to try and see, can we bring the price down? of running our railway well, what system. Well, what can be done to bring the price down? What do we need to do then? A apart from changes that you, you, you've made mentioned there about the government, what, what else can be done? I think it's, ineffic it's inefficiencies which will be eradicated, far more closer cooperation between network rail and the train companies. Uh, in fact, many of the train companies and network rail are forming joint offices so that they can work far more in harmony. You see, network rail looks after the infrastructure, mm. the track, the signal, signalling level crossings, whereas the train companies actually run the actual trains we, we travel on. I'm looking at a, a, a little comparison chart in the eye this morning. I don't know how, how th th this necessarily works, but it's, it's asking, where does £100 get you in Europe, OK? And in England, it'll get you from Stafford to London, 133 miles. Mm. In Germany, Berlin to Munich, 312 miles. Italy, 100 quid will get you from Florence to Palermo, 736 miles. But what you have to ask with those figures is, how much is the government subsidising mm. the railways? Mm. Um, that is a very key figure when you're discussing train travel between our country and overseas. Are people being priced out of travelling on the trains, do you think, Murray? I think this is a danger because uh, we're seeing more people use the railways than, what, n nearly in 100 years. 
years. It's mm. a colossal increase, which of course brings more difficulties to the train companies. And uh, we're supposed to be promoting as well, people, people, but we're, we're being encouraged to use the car less. We are indeed, and it's because for, for environmental now, reasons or for whatever. But but if the trains are so expensive, then we can't make that switch, can we? That is correct. This is the reason why trains further up north of the country are so much in effect cheaper and not paying their true cost because of the policies to try and keep people out of their cars mm. it's the it's the north-south divide unfortunately uh, it's felt that people in our areas seem to be more affluent and therefore can subsidize the rest is, is there anything that that uh, commuters can do we spoke earlier on to a, a, a chat from a, a, a the rail user group who'd managed to get the the, com- the train company to go yeah fair play our service isn't up to scratch we'll freeze the prices on this bit of the line this does happen. Um, the government does set stringent targets for these train operating companies in terms of facilities, punctuality, reliability, and rightly so, because if we're paying for a service and not getting it, there must be due uh, reimbursement when things go wrong. But generally, uh, a lot of the trains in the country are, are a far greater improvement than used to be. For instance, the average age of a train has come down dramatically since privatisation. Um, British Rail was having to use trains which were nearly 50 years old. Uh, No wonder they had problems. But we have seen a remarkable improvement in the quality of train service. Uh, Murray, listen, thank you very much indeed for coming on. That's uh, Murray Brown, who is the editor of the Rail Express magazine. Well, how is it affecting you? Are you being put off? There there always always get people who say, well, listen, if you book your uh, travel in advance, you can get from uh, Luton to Manchester for £6.50. Yeah, you've got to book it about a year in advance. Uh, if you go and buy a train ticket today, it is really expensive. And if you've got a, a travel card, really expensive. 08459 455 555. Well, our reporter, Jane Killick, is at Luton Train Station. Jane, what's the latest over there? Oh, Jane, are you there? Nope. Jane. Jane. We've lost her. She's gone. She's disappeared. We'll try and get Jane back uh, when we can. In the meantime... <clears throat> Astrology. This is my bugbear, because it's a complete load of old guff. Complete load of old nonsense. And the, the Daily Express, for the past week, and no doubt for the rest of this week, are, uh, one of their big selling points, your stars for 2013. Free, in star, in, free inside astrologer Laurie Reed's guide to how you can improve your health this year. So we go to her stars to find out how I can improve my health this year. I'm a Gemini, by the way. That's a June. June the 9th. 40. So listen to this, right? It could have been written by a nine-year-old about anyone. All those good intentions to get fit after... This woman's been paid for this, by the way. All those good intentions to get fit after Christmas will evaporate after a few weeks as your resolve melts. Well, that happens... Sorry, that happens to everybody, doesn't it? That's hardly surprising. She, she then qualifies it with, that's hardly surprising with Jupiter, the bon viveur of the Zodiac, in your sign until June. There's a bon viveur of the Zodiac? Really? Laurie Reed. There is an irresistible force that helps you pile on the inches. Yeah, it's called food. As you work out, play sport, run, jump or dig the garden as part of your exercise regime, pay extra attention to your muscles, knees, bones and joints, as all are vulnerable areas for this year. They're vulnerable for anybody who runs, jumps, does sport or does digging in the back garden. They're all vulnerable. It's doubly wise to visit the dentist regularly and to protect your skin when in the sun. Oh, come on, Laurie. Really? You're getting paid money for this? 
Changes are on your horizon. And from now on, it's important to work smarter, to think healthier, and to get yourself in a regular balanced routine. What a load of old guff. She then encourages me at the bottom. Find out more? Call Laurie Reed's Year Ahead Astrology Line. Course costs £1.50 a minute. No, I'm not going to do it. It's nonsense. It's utter, utter nonsense. Do you believe in this guff? Really? 08459. Four double five, five double five. Do you think I'm being a little bit too harsh? How is it possible that planets, like light years away, have any influence on what's going on in my life? Do give us a call. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. I think we can go back to Jane at Luton train station. Morning, Jane. Good morning. What's the latest there? Well, I'm speaking to commuters this morning, and it's quite interesting. I've been speaking to a couple of people who've only just got new jobs. They've just been commuting into London for the last six months, which is great. Um, and their attitude was kind of shrug the shoulders. I've got to pay this money to go into work. It's quite a lot of money off my salary, but, you know, I've got to go to work. Uh, but I also spoke to a man called George, who's been commuting for the last 30 years, mm. and he says he, he's seen... Uh, the price of going into London just go up and up and up over the last 30 years. He pays over £4,000 to get into London, and he says the service is getting worse as well, so he's paying more for what he sees as uh, not a good service. Are there people out there, Jane, do you think, that um, are reconsidering their work plans and their travel arrangements because of this increase? You've got to work, haven't you? You've got to get into work. I mean, these couple of people who've been uh, commuting into London for the last six months, they've got to go to work. They've got to earn some money, and it's really the only way to do it. I mean, if you're going to get a car, you've got to pay congestion charge, you've got to pay to park, price of petrol. Um, so really, for a lot of these people, there is no alternative. Jane, thank you very much. Jane Killick is going to be at Luton train station for the rest of the morning. Do go and say hello to her, um, and uh, let her know what you think. You can also give us a call as well, 08459 555555. Are you just having to suck it and see when it comes to these train fares? You're kind of going, I've got no choice, really. Or is it pricing you out of your job? You think, if it goes up much more... There's no point in me going to this, this, this place. It won't be worth it. 08459 455555. Right. Let's get the travel news with Sophie Tyler. And I'm going to enjoy a banana. It's not a euphemism. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at 8 o'clock. Hey! Yes. <clears throat> so, uh, did you have a good Christmas and New Year? Yes. Just because the last hour of this didn't really right. work. Oh, okay. Right, okay, we're doing this again, are we? Yeah. Okay. You, Catherine, did you have a good Christmas and New Year? I did, but I missed you terribly. Oh, yeah. No, that's sarcastic. Right, go on. Wait for the question. Yes, I did. Oh, let me ask. Do it again, then. <clears throat> did you have a good Christmas and New Year? Oh, thanks for asking. Yeah, I did. Thanks. Uh, and did, did you miss me? Oh, I really missed you. Really, really badly. I was gazing at the door, hoping you might walk through at any moment. I was wondering what you were doing 24 hours right, of the day. that's weird. When we do... <laughs> we're, well, what do you want? We're going to do it at 8.30. Can you try and split the difference between the two? Is that all right? <laughs> Yeah, all right then. Thanks very much. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning! Lots coming up between now and eight o'clock, including when do you turn old? Uh, there's a report out that says that uh, we all, most of us would think we turn old at 59. I'm worried. I'm turning 40. I'm turning 40 this year. It, it's not something that fills me with great excitement. I think I'm old already. When do you think you turn old? An astrology, really, in 2013, 
Are we going to buy into that nonsense? What, the planets are going to... No. Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give us a call about that. We've got some more serious bits and pieces as well, including this. One in ten young people feel they cannot cope with day-to-day life, according to a new report from the Prince's Trust. The report, based on interviews with over, over 2,000 16 to 25-year-olds, also shows how more than one in five young people did not have someone to talk to about their problems while they were growing up. John Archer is the chief executive of LAMP, a Luton-based youth charity. Morning, John. Good morning. Yeah. What, what is LAMP? Just explain that briefly. Okay, very quickly. Uh, LAMP is a small uh, chat charity, looks after 16 to 25-year-old homeless people in Luton. Right. How does a 16-year-old end up being homeless? Oh, how long have we got? Well, well I, 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 as long as we need, because I find that incredible that that could happen in this country mm. in this day and age. Um, what the Prince's Trust is saying, I think, has a lot to do with it. Right. Uh, a lot of it is to do with family breakdown. Mm. Uh, the pressure that the economy is under right now. Uh, it just gets difficult for families to stay together. It's financial pressure, job pressure. Mm. All those sort of things come to bear. So a lot of the people that come to LAMP are coming from uh, families that have such pressure that the children become the casualties of that. Is there not... I, I might be really naive and stupid. Is there not provision for... If a 16-year-old is homeless, is there not... Won't the government do something? Do they not? Am I being stupid? <laughs> no, you're not being stupid. No, no there, is, there is something called a statutory duty of care. Right. So from 16 to 18, there's a great department at Luton Borough Council called 16 Plus that look after these kids. Right. But um, they're stretched. Yeah. And so uh, they avail themselves of lamp services because mm. what we do is try and find private accommodation so the kids are safe in you know, warm, safe houses. Mm. And then we work a, uh, what we call a development plan which allows a young person to grow, yeah. uh, learn those life skills maybe they're missing, and get them back on track. Is there, it's kind of a bleak start, isn't it, being oh, 16, 17? Is there any hope? Yes, there is hope. Good. Yeah, definitely. Um, we have a little phrase in, um, in LAMP, sort of uh, homeless but not without hope. Right. And it's about that. You know, and, and LAMP gives them a hope. Mm. LAMP does do that. Uh, we train very hard. We work our kids as cool. Mustn't call them kids. Mustn't call them kids. That. Yeah, I know exactly. Hate me for that. But they'll um, start calling you granddad. Young, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, do that. Yes, thank you. How old are you? I know. I know. Okay. Um, so they they come to us and uh, they respond to some some you know some mentoring, some mm. encouragement. We are incredibly non-judgmental. We take them where they are and we try and move them on which is really what parents should be. I mm. mean, we sometimes see ourselves as surrogate parents to some of these young people. And do they respond to you? Or is Because, listen, I remember being 16, 17, I don't want to talk to anyone about, you know, <laughs> well, I want to talk to you. Yeah. Is there that kind of attitude? Or uh, uh, are they willing to listen and talk to you and take on board your suggestions? Uh, some are, some aren't. They're yeah. just, it's, a, it's a normal mix of kids. So some are, you know, re- relatively hard-nosed and think they know the world. Mm. And you've got to break that down and build, build up a trust and a relationship with them and show them... The, the the path they could do or the alternatives uh, if they don't get their life uh, together. Now this, this 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 report says that that, that um, a lot of one in five young people mm. didn't have someone to talk to about their problems. Mm. Uh, and I, I remember, you know, I, I vaguely remember being fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, and you do you have the weight of your the world on you. It's easy to forget that now, but you have the weight of the world on your your shoulders, and you're For you're sure. changing, your body's changing, your mind is changing. You're not quite sure what you are or where you're going. And without someone to talk to, mm. 
That's got that, that's terrifying, that's, isn't it? That must be terrifying. You must be in an extremely lonely place. Mm. And if you put on top of that the fact that maybe uh, you want someone to talk to, but maybe you've got parents who aren't really mm. that interested in you, it just makes that even worse. It's, it's bad enough just, as you say, being a teenager, s- sorting out what your body's doing to yeah. you, without the fact that maybe your parents aren't as caring as you'd like them to be, or mm. not as understanding, but parents are never understanding to teenagers anyway. No, of course not. You don't understand you don't me! understand me, no. But you get to that point. So, the, the, the young people that come to us normally have that double whammy, that they're, they're in an unstable family relationship, mm. plus they've got no one to turn to. And that's tough. 17-year-old comes to you. What kind of suggestions are you giving them? What kind of advice okay, and help okay. are you giving them? Uh, they come to us. First thing we do is we work out where they're going to live because mm. we don't want people walking around the streets. We don't want people prey to the nasty side of society. And th- there are 16, oh, 17 year olds walking around. Oh, aren't yeah, there? absolutely. I find that incredible. Absolutely. There's a lot of uh, what's called sofa surfing going on. Right, yeah, so I've heard this phrase a lot recently. Yeah, yeah that's, that, that's, so that's where they're sleeping at mates' sleeping houses. Sleeping at mates' houses. For a couple or of sleeping, nights. Sleeping at friends' families' houses. Right. But it ca- that causes strain too. Of course it does, yeah. So you can do that for so long. But it's not a lifestyle. Mm. Um, so we try and get them into an accommodation which is safe and secure, something we can manage with them, do that. Uh, take them through uh, normally the benefit system because that's where they are. Mm. So make sure they're getting the sort of support they can get from the state even, even now. I know it's going down, but get what they can. Um, then we start talking to them, what, what are their aspirations? What, what, you know, what do they want to do? This is where the young people love us i guess mm. because we're actually listening to them mm. uh, have a real and genuine interest in where they want to go and try and ask them where they want to go mm. what do they want to do from that we can start to see where their gaps are you know have they maybe not done a cv ever have they ever washed behind their ears have they ever got ready for an interview what skills are they missing and then we try and find places to put that in place. So it's proper practical Absolutely. stuff that you're giving them. It's Absolutely. not pie-in-the-sky nonsense. No, 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 no. It's, it, the, the whole aim of what LAMP does is to make sure the people are uh, equipped to be uh, let loose on society and be able to hold their own mm. in a really tough time uh, in society on their own. Be mm. individuals. So that's what we try and do. We build them up. Do you kind of give them emotional support as well as the practical yeah i scream stuff at them all the time good <laughs> not allowed to hit them these days <laughs> i'm joking it's a joke for goodness sakes you can no, no yeah yeah they can come to us with anything and they do yeah uh, so we're there as a listening ear and we'll give them any support they need and through that process of, of becoming their friends uh, but at a you know at a distance in terms of mentoring them yeah. too try and understand where their problems are and yes give them that emotional support some of them have some real tough issues they've got to deal with if there's a parent listening uh, who, who's worried about their child, who thinks maybe they're isolating, and it, it's obvious to the parent that they're going through something, but the, 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 the young person doesn't want to talk about it, what, what advice would you give to that parent? Okay. Be genuine. Yeah. Give them time. I think a lot of parents just don't give their kids enough time. It's time. Mm. Real time. Not, not a... You know, a half conversation over breakfast, but just a sit down, give them some time. Don't give them space and don't isolate them in their bedroom with some electronic device. Mm. Get FaceTime with them. And if you can do that, I think you'll find a lot of it will go away. Take TVs out of the bedrooms. You could do that TVs too. out of the bedrooms. Leave That's the radios right. in there. Leave the radios. Uh, if people are, are interested in LAMP uh, or think it might be able to help a friend or, sure. or someone they know, how can they get in touch? Okay, you can call me, uh, John Archer, on Luton 431744. Yep. You can email me on john at lamp.uk.net. John at lamp.uk.net. Or you can go onto our website, which is www.lamp.uk.net. 
Is, is, is New Year Christmas a, bit, a busier time or? Not really. Good, okay. No, no it doesn't get worse or right. better. No, it's just really a constant. Constant flow. <laughs> well, listen, keep up the good work, John. Thank Lovely to meet much. you. Thank you very much. Thanks, I'm sure thanks. we'll talk again about so, at some point. John Archer, right, Chief Executive you. of LAMP, a Luton based youth charity. Th- Happy New Year. Thank you. Uh, 08459 455 555. On FM, AM, and online, BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, eight, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five is the telephone number. Now, when did you start to feel old? Years ago for me. I get out of breath walking up a flight of stairs. I do. Struggle. Well, a survey by the Department of Work and Pensions says that we think old age starts at 59. What do you reckon? Earlier, Doris in Stevenage gave me a call. Oh! No, she did there. She, she gave me a call here. I'm still turning old. May, may I ask, what age are you? I should be 91 in April. Well, well, congratulations you for making it this long. Well done. Mm. Doris, with, with, with all due respect, do you not feel that you turned old about, I don't know, 50 years ago? Well, I do, yes. Well, I don't say 50 years ago, but I mean... 45? 12 months ago, I was in hospital in, in an um, intensive care. Oh, blimey. I you... had a fall and smashed my leg. Oh, Doris! But I'm going on now. I've had all my exercises. I do them every morning. Exercises every morning? Yes. I barely do them every year. What have you done this morning? Push-ups, weightlifting? Well, are you sitting down? Yes. One leg forward and the other leg back. Oh. Toe and heel. Yeah. And then punch your arms. Forward and backwards. So you're doing karate? Yeah. Yeah. Luminek. Luminek indeed. She's doing karate. When did you start to feel old? I know we have some, uh, what I like to call heritage listeners. Being polite. When did you start to feel old? Is there a moment you can look back and go, yeah, actually, 55, ooh, dear, something went. 08459 455 555. Or maybe, maybe you don't feel, maybe you're like Doris, you're in your 90s, you don't feel old in the slightest. I'm going to be 40 this year. I feel old already. It's got to be downhill from now. I make this noise when I get up from the chair. Ooh, ooh. So I do it so much, right, that my little boy, who's going to be three in a couple of weeks, he makes that noise when he gets out of the chair. Because he's heard me do it. If he gets up from lying down, he goes... uh, He makes the old man noises because he's heard the old man doing it. When did you start to feel old? 08459. Four double five five double five. We'll explore the the theme of, of of approaching forty later on in the year. We've got six months of that nonsense. We'll get to that a little bit later on today. Let's just discuss when did you start to feel old? Oh eight four five nine. Oh eight four five nine. Love, can you hear me? Four double five. Five double five. You can send a text as well, eight one three double three. Starting your text, three CR, or you can go to the Facebook page. You can see a picture of me, freshly shaved. Yeah, the beard's gone. That went the day after I, I left here for Christmas. It was itchy and I looked like a tramp. <laughs> the Express and their stars, they love it. Horoscopes. Mine, this year. Um, as you work out, play sport, run, jump or dig the garden as part of your exercise re- regime. Pay extra attention to your muscles, knees, bones and joints as all are vulnerable areas for you this year. They're vulnerable for everyone! All those good intentions to get fit after Christmas will evaporate after a few weeks. It happens to everyone! The the stars and horoscopes. It's a load of old nonsense, isn't it? 
Isn't it? Is there anybody listening to this in 2013 who believes? If you do, do give us a call. I'd love to. I'd love to find out why you do, and if it's if it's predicted or told you something. Oh wait, four five nine, four double five five double five. Well, Adam Fronteris is an astrologer, and he's here to defend the horoscope. Good morning, Adam. Morning. Adam, it's a load of old nonsense. Come on. Uh, no, I think what you did, I think what a lot of people don't really understand is what astrologers really do. Go on. Uh, sun sign astrology, what you read in your newspaper, is really only a fraction. It, it's a tip of a surface. When astrologers actually do, uh, if you like, uh, proper astrology, they take your individual date, time, and place of birth and then from that they work out, if you'd like, an individual uh, star map of all the planet's positions at your time of birth. And it's from that we get, if you like, a sort of a DNA blueprint of your the type of life that you're likely to lead. But then, then why, do, why do they have, why does the Express have a two-page spread from this woman, Laurie Reed? Well, that's, that's I so think, vague you know, and... Laurie, you know, the, the problem is that this is a way to introduce people to astrology. Your sun sign represents about 10% of your personality, because because astrologers take in all the other planets and all the other positions, and it's the angles. And just like we know that, for instance, you know, radio waves are affected by the, the movements of the planets. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, people w- would experience that even when they're sort of listening to uh, radio on an old radio in the evening as compared to the morning. And, yeah. and we know there's scientific proof that uh, Jupiter and Saturn uh, positions can actually have an effect on radio waves and radio you know and our brain is a massive electronic impulse our brain isn't a radio wave no but we are we are a massive electronic impulses uh, you know, our, our brain connects by sort of little waves. And what it's thought of is when we're sort of developing, you know, that our actual brain acts like a sort of a little bit of a radio wave. And the position of the planets connected to the time we were sort of uh, born, if you like, uh, uh, can sort of set off influences. But how, like, does, how is that connected to... to I, I was born June the 9th, about 7 o'clock in the evening, 1973. How is Saturn in any way affected to that? Connected because, to that, uh, you know, Jupiter, the bon viveur of the zodiac, according to Laurie Reed. Oh, uh, Jupiter! Jupiter is the biggest planet, so it brings growth uh, and expansion. And if one looks at your your you know time and place of birth, and you know, it takes an astrologer sort of a good half hour Hang to on. get your charts drawn because up. Because Jupiter's the biggest planet, it means expansion. No, it, it means uh, Jupiter is is growth and expansion, and it, it's power and authority. Why? Why? Explain to me why. Jupiter is authority and expansion and growth. Because this is sort of observation, years, thousands of years of observation, that when Jupiter is in certain positions, just like uh, Saturn is in certain positions, it, it sort of uh, has a sort of uh, an effect on us. The most common one that, that uh, people will often hear, you'll often hear, is when Mercury is known to go, appear to go backwards in the zodiac. It's known as retrograde. Yeah. And you'll often hear people blaming sort of uh, communication issues or letters going uh, awry on Mercury being retrograde. It does let letters going awry because Mercury's on retrograde. Yeah. There are people listening, Adam, who with the greatest respect saying, you're talking out Uranus, the planet. Uh, well, they, they can do that. But I would say to them, go and have your, your proper astrology chart drawn up. 
because that's the sort of the, the proof in the pudding. I mean, basically, horoscopes astrology in, newspa- uh, in newspapers would be like sort of saying uh, that, you know, uh, is the whole of medicine is sort of uh, could be cured by uh, a painkiller. But medicine know. is based on science. <laughs> it ah, is science. Yeah, this isn't science. This is guff. Uh, there, there has been statistical uh, work done. The Gokulins famously in the... Uh, the uh, uh, early 70s and uh, uh, pr- uh, did loads of statistics and showed that, for instance, Olympian runners or, or Olympian, uh, you know, people that win golds and Olympics are far more likely to have Mars <laughs> in an ascendant sign than by natural... Uh, uh, than what you'd expect by random. But things. they're far more likely of, to have won gold by training. Yeah, but you see, Mars is, is typically was known as the planet of the warrior. So you think about that. So, But Mars being in the uh, ascendant houses or the house of uh, work or whatever, it's, mo- it's, it's been shown to be more likely to hap- uh, happen in Olympic athletes than the normal general population. And who conducted this research? Uh, that was the Gokulins in the who are the Goklins? Uh, they were fa- uh, French statisticians. Okay. All right. Uh, but you will find that there are astro- astrologers. Uh, Percy Seymour, who was recently the head of uh, uh, Plymouth uh, University Astronomy, yeah. said there was something in astrology. Wasn't quite sure what. We wasn't quite sure what. There's, there's a lot well, of money no, in it. He would found some influence that the planets had had some influences, and he felt that you know it, uh, that this could be where okay. he was the one that put uh, forward. That Adam, it could be worth. We're running yeah. out of time. You, def- you defended it well, and you've taken it like a good. Sport. <laughs> you, you'd agree, though, that the, the, the people that call these one pound fifty prediction lines—they're suckers, aren't they? No, no. If they call the one pound fifty a line and get through to a, a proper astrology, uh, they're, then they're not. Uh, you know, one pound fifty. Uh, one pound fifty a minute. Come on, they're suckers, Adam. No, because yeah, I mean, how much do you charge for your time? Have you got a one pound fifty a minute line, Adam? Is that uh, what you're? No, I don't. Uh, I don't. You don't indulge. I do work for some of the one pound. The uh, point is oh. that uh, uh, you've got all the overheads and advertising, and I wouldn't say that a one pound fifty for twenty minutes. Okay, that's thirty thirty pounds. You're going to get charged at least for twenty minutes. Right, but you're going to get charged at least that by your garage I, when you put your car in for a service. And no doubt you charge that for when you go out and do a. Let me tell service. you, I, Adam. I'll tell you now. Thirty pounds for twenty minutes is a lot more than I get paid at. BBC Three Counties. Let me tell you that. Adam Fronteras, astrologer, you defended yourself well, sir. Thank you very much indeed. But it's a load of old Rolex, isn't it? I said Rolex. I can get away with that. 08459 455555. Do you agree with Adam? Do you think it makes sense and you follow it? Or do you think it's a load of old tosh like myself? Now, the, normally the only cliff at uh, Christmas that I like to indulge in is Cliff Richard. But this festive season, there was an even bigger cliff. America's fiscal cliff. But this morning, it seems the United States has avoided plunging over the precipice. And many analysts say that's good news for jobs and growth here in the UK. Well, our reporter, James Alexander, can bring us up to date. Morning, James. What's the latest and what's been agreed in Washington exactly? 
Yeah, at the very last minute, the US has pulled back from the edge of that fiscal cliff and avoided this kind of double whammy of New Year tax hikes and spending cuts. There have been frantic negotiations on Capitol Hill all over the holidays. Finally, overnight, the House of Representatives voted to back a bill to increase taxes just for the very richest Americans. But more than $100 billion of spending cuts will be delayed for two months. And what reaction has there been from uh, President Obama? Relief is the main reaction. This is being seen as a victory for President Obama. He campaigned for the very rich to pay more in tax, and this is what he's got. But he says future negotiations need to be a bit calmer. The one thing that I think hopefully in the new year we'll focus on is seeing if we can put a package like this together uh, with a little bit less drama, a little less brinksmanship, uh, not scare the heck out of folks quite as much. And the president is now off to Hawaii to resume his Christmas break with his family. Uh, the, the crisis is over then, isn't it, surely? We, we can all celebrate and go and smoke cigars. Yeah, um, the immediate crisis is over, but you might not want to sort of pop the champagne corks just yet. Critics oh. say the really tough decisions about government spending have simply been put off. This doesn't even begin to address America's huge national debt, $16 trillion of it, and many of President Obama's opponents in the Republican Party want to see sweeping spending cutbacks. And many are really angry this morning, Ian, that this bill says nothing about cuts. And what does this mean uh, for us over in Britain? Is this good news as we start the new year? Yeah, it's been seen as welcome news for the UK economy because uh, many analysts were saying a failure to do a deal in Washington could have plunged America back into recession and this would hit transatlantic trade because lots of companies across the three counties do business in the states and they'd be hit if Americans have less money in their pockets. Also there was a worry that uh, deadlock in the world's biggest economy could damage investor confidence but already this morning we're seeing the stock markets in Asia well up. They clearly like the deal. 2012 was a pretty torrid year in the global economy. 2013 begins on a brighter note for now. James Alexander in Washington thank you very much. I know that we'll be hearing more about that 08459 455 555 i would love to hear from someone who thinks come on ian come on calm down there is statistical evidence that shows astrology is almost a science that mars means that you will have work and mercury means things will get bigger i don't know (laughs) really 08459 Four double five five double five. Have you ever been to an astrologer, paid good hard cash, and had them do your chart for you, and gone back and gone, yeah, that that was that was money, really well spent. I'm glad I did that. Look, I'm I'm checking Facebook and Twitter. I forgot that last um, last year I was knocking handball, saying it wasn't a sport, and I foolishly (laughs) said to someone on Twitter, "Yeah, I'll come along to your handball sessions. I'll sort that out." And he's just got back in touch saying, you still up for it then? Oh, yes. Uh, yes, I am. Evenings are tricky, though. Ah. We'll discuss more after the latest news and sport with astrologer-loving Catherine Boyle. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. Catherine, you're a bit vague. Yes. Uh, an airy fairy. Am I? Yeah. And you wear, like, um, cravats and things like that. So I'm guessing that you believe in astrology. No, it's a load of nonsense. Thanks very much. That's the definitive answer there from the Voice of News. Good morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Three minutes past eight. Where are we now? Wednesday, is it? I think, yes, Wednesday the 2nd of January. I've completely lost track of dates, and I will do for the next few weeks, but don't worry. 
Lots coming up in the last hour. Uh, some light, some not quite so light. And uh, as always, would like your opinions on some of the stories that we're talking about, uh, including. A man whose only child was murdered in Hertfordshire has made a new appeal to find the body of his son. The I, Jerome Kent, from Hertfordshire Police, was the senior investigating officer leading the team of detectives and specialists, and he'll be joining me in the studio. Rail campaigners say they are holding protests at stations throughout the UK against the rising costs of rail travel. Jane Killick has been at Luton train station this morning, and astrology, really, come on, it's a load of old nonsense, isn't it? BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, a man whose only child was murdered in Hertfordshire has made a new appeal to find the body of his son. Police searching for 34-year-old Murray Thompson found the flat he'd last visited had been used for growing cannabis. One man is currently serving a 21-year sentence for his murder. Murray's father, Tony Thompson, has offered a £5,000 reward for information leading to his discovery. It'll be three years soon, and... We've had no funeral, we've got no idea exactly what happened to him at the time, which we, we really need to know. It's just very difficult, and until such times as we can put him to rest properly, what should we say, the thought process is wild. It's all speculation. Please, for, for our sakes, um, the family, his friends, we just want to know what happened to him, where he is, and so we can finally say goodbye to him in a in a proper way. There's just no conclusion to anything. You know, we just want someone to come forward and say what they know. Well, D.I. Jerome Kent from Hertfordshire Police was the senior investigating officer leading the team of detectives and specialists. He joins me this morning. Good morning. Good morning, thank you. Uh, I find this story incredible on so many levels. First of all, how difficult was it to try and get a murder conviction without having a body? Well, I mean, it sounds obvious, doesn't it? But most murders, um, uh, it is obvious that somebody's dead and it's obvious that they have been murdered because that's that's what you're faced with when Mm. you start your investigation. Uh, With this case, we had to, um, A, establish that Murray was dead uh, and, uh, having done that, try and prove that he had been murdered and then try and establish who had done that. How do you do do all of those things without... How do you establish that he's dead and that he was murdered without having the physical evidence, the body? Yeah, what what we did was we looked at at Murray's life in the months leading up to his disappearance. So he disappeared on the 20th of April 2010, and up until that day he had uh, a relatively uh, routine pattern to his life. He made phone calls to his mum and dad, to his uh, fiancée. He went to work every day, described as a a model employee. Um, He had friends that he saw. He had a set routine. He had a bank account that he went to. And on the afternoon of the 20th of April 2010, all of that stopped. Mm. Um, No more calls, no more use of his his bank, no more uh, going to work. Um, He was due to see a friend at six o'clock that evening. He didn't turn up for that uh, meeting. Uh, And he was due to see his girlfriend, his fiancée, at their their flat later on that evening. He never went back. Uh, He had bought her a ring only a few months beforehand and uh, and got engaged. And they were planning planning their uh, engagement and wedding. And Mm. so he had a, a life ahead of him and he was planning a life ahead of him. How is the family, the the, the mum and the dad and the fiancé, how are they coping with this? Because, I mean, listen, you lose someone in a murder, 
course that's an awful awful thing but at least normally you have the body you can bury it you can pay your respects you've got a site you can go to and and remember without the body as we were saying earlier there's there's no conclusion is there no no closure and and again uh, murray's uh, parents um mum geraldine and, and dad tony are lovely people they're mm. lovely lovely people been very supportive his fiance rachel mcdowell a very very nice lady very very supportive um, and it's taken them a long time to come to terms with the fact that their son is dead and that he has been murdered. Um, and they want that final closure. They want somewhere where they can go, pay their respects uh, and have a focus for their for their grief. Uh, and that's not uh, not something we've been able to provide. Have you received any useful information or any leads about where the body might be? Uh, not really, no. Um, the uh, judge in his sentencing remarks said that he would find it incredible if there wasn't more than one person involved in the disposal of, uh, of Murray's body from the flat. Um, I believe that there were uh, others involved and I believe that there are others who are aware um, of maybe not the precise location, but a, a rough location of where Murray's body would be. And that's all we really need, is a, is a rough location. We've got all sorts of scientific equipment and, and techniques that would be available for us to search an area, for us to be able to look for disturbance in the ground, uh, to, for us to be able to look through water to, uh, mm. to, to see whether the, the body was, uh, was there, and ultimately to give that closure to um, Tony and Geraldine. Is it, I'm guessing as well it's unusual for someone who has committed this crime murder to, to to keep quiet about the bodies where the body is as well isn't it is, is that unusual for them well, to keep that secret uh, it, it it is um it is unusual but it was always their, their uh, the defense that uh, that he wasn't dead right. and therefore they weren't guilty of a murder okay. so to to give up the body now um might be difficult for them but um there are other people, I'm sure, who would mm. be aware. They have family and friends. The, uh, the offenders is three men being connected, one for the murder and, and, and another two connected to the, uh, the disappearance and uh, um, offences connected with his disappearance. So there are... Other, they have family, they have friends... Mm. You know, the, uh, there's a reward, isn't there? Five thousand pounds reward. This this is obviously incredibly important to to, to Murray's family, isn't it? Yeah, there is a reward. Uh, Murray's uh, parents have offered up five thousand uh, pounds as a reward. Um, but you know, I would like to think that anybody who came forward did it for the reasons that there are. Uh, there is a mum and dad and a, and a fiance out there who just want to say goodbye to their mm. their loved one. Um, if anyone's got any information, well, how do they get in touch? Yeah, what do they do? A, well, there's there's a number of uh, there's a number of numbers that I can give. Um, there's obviously the uh, 101, the non-emergency police number, which is a new number that the public might might be aware of. I hope by now, mm. the 101 number. There's also uh, Crime Stoppers, which is zero uh, eight hundred five 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 one one one. And that can be anonymous. These can be anonymous, can't yeah, they? They, they can be anonymous. Yeah. Crime Stoppers, it, absolutely anonymous. Uh, you don't have to give any details, and even if you do give details, they never come to the police. I'll right. never know who phoned in. Okay. I would never never be able to find that out if they they went through to Crime Stoppers. Uh, alternatively, they can phone the incident room itself, which is uh, 01707 355959. Uh, Jerome, thank you for coming in. Let's hope that we get some good news this year for the family and that we can kind of bring this uh, uh, to rest. Yes, so, thanks. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming in. D.I. Jerome Kent from Hertfordshire Police. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. 
08459 455 555 is the telephone number. We're asking this morning as well, when do you get old? When do you start feeling old? There's a, an article in uh, the Telegraph, I think it was. Well, I've got, all my papers are all over the place. Look. Uh, it was the Telegraph, page nine. Life begins at 40, but we feel old by 59. A survey was carried out, and we believe we've reached the old age of precisely 59 years, two weeks, and uh, two months and two weeks. Well, Arthur's in Milton Keynes. Arthur, are you old? <laughs> no. How, how, what age are you? Uh, 89. Blooming heck, Arthur! You're, you're ancient, the young, ch- young children listening to this show are calling. You don't <laughs> feel old. No. Not, not in the slightest. No, no, I mean, actually, the last time I saw my doctor was, oh, the only medication I've taken, in fact, is Senecot tablet, tablets at night. Yes. And so, anyway, I, you know, I get them. And so, uh, on, on one of my, you know, I've sent in a repeat prescription to the doctor, and one time on it, he said, would I go and see Dr. Hush? Yes. And so Dr. I did. Dr. Hook? The, the, the rock reason, group? The reason she wanted to see me was such a long time since she's seen me. Were you in love me. with a beautiful woman? Hey? Sorry, yes, go on. She went to the doctor to see Dr. Hook, yes? Yeah, uh, uh, Dr. Hush. Uh, Dr. Hush, right, yes, sorry, yes. And so, yeah, she, she asked to see me because it was so long since she's seen me, she wanted to see if I was all right. Well, see, check you were still alive. <laughs> So you're 89. What do you do? What do you do that, that proves you're not old, Arthur? Are you on the Xbox? Do you go nightclubbing? No, no, no. No, actually, I used to do. Oh, in my teens, I did a cycle, a race, and did long distance cycling. Mm, yeah. And later on, I went in into walking. A friend t- 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 talked me into going up Snowdon, and he encouraged me. Oh, and so I've done nearly all the long-distance walks in the country. Why? The, the trouble is now, yeah. oh, two or three years ago, I tripped up Aye. and landed on my knee. Ooh. And made, and, you know, I've got, got a dodgy knee Oy, The knee is the most painful thing. But, uh, anyway, actually, I'm thinking... Thinking of going to see the doctor, see if anything can be done. Yeah, go and have a word with the doctor, so they yeah. can do something with I, your knee. I, I'm going to see if anything can be done. Go and see Doctor Hook. Yeah, well, and yeah. see and see if, uh, see if something can be done. See if something yeah. can be done. So Arthur, listen, I'm approaching forty this year. I'm going to be forty years old. Any tips to make my fortieth go with a bang? If you know what I'm saying, eh? No, no. Well, I say I'm in always kept active. I tell you, I mean, this is a bit. Miserable in a way. Oh, well, I went. Mm, uh, I did the walk, the walk round the coast. Or what do you start at Minehead and goes all the way round the bottom of the coast? Yeah, Cornwall, Devon, you know, around the edge of the coast. Yeah, and actually, there was three of us did this walk. Uh-oh. It lasts. Oh, it's about. I think. I think it took over three, three separate times or something. But yeah. anyway, yeah. The thing is, I was the oldest of the three. Yeah. Oh no! Don't. I know where this is going to go. Don't go yeah. on. Go on. I'm, afraid, yeah. I'm afraid now. One of them died all oh, several years ago, and then this other one, as I say, I mean, it was not sort of a setup. I used to play bridge with his wife. Yeah. And so we got to, and then I went walking with Roy. Anyway, what? a few weeks ago, I had a. Yeah. a, a a letter from Cathy, his wife. Oh, Roy's not gone, is he? Roy had passed away. Oh! So, I mean, I was the oldest of them, and I'm the only one still alive, and I'm actually... I'll say my only trouble is this knee. Is the, go, go and see Dr Hook. Dr Hook will sort your knee out. I'm sorry to hear about Roy. 
But thank you very much, Arthur. Arthur, he's 89 years old. He doesn't feel old. He may sound it, but he doesn't feel it. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. And that's David Priva. You're right, yes. sir. Yes, it's the JVS show. He's off He's off for... You've got, like, about a six months' worth of work out of this yes. guy, haven't you? Yes, cow herding in Argentina, they say. Or something. Something. Is he's gone to take back there? the Malvinas. Good for him. Which is a metaphor for something or other. Well done. Uh, how was yesterday's show? Both of our shows... Very good yesterday. Were... A lot of content, a lot of material. <laughs> a lot of material. <laughs> we were both a little bit content light yesterday. Mm. I barely got away with it. I, I couldn't listen to yours. I was too nervous. I played Bohemian Rhapsody seven times. Good for you. That well, got me through uh, an hour and forty. <laughs> and listen, we got, we got paid for it. We got paid for it. Oh, time, yeah. awesome. We got paid uh, for yeah. it. Uh, what's on the show today? What have you got? Well, something you've been talking about all morning. Can you still afford to take the train? Mm. The timing is fantastic. This government, their timing is wonderful, They're isn't it? Happy January New Year. Second, happy New Year. Extra 4.2% on your uh, rail fares. On the odd occasion that I go into London from Radler or St Albans, 18 quid plus uh, a fiver to park plus your tube fares. You're lucky if you not much change out of 30 quid a day. Yep. 600 quid a month. You've got to be earning around an extra eight, 900 pound a month gross. So not far off 10 grand a year thereabouts. Well, you've done maths um, and everything. I've done the maths and everything on this. If you're working a 10 grand a year just to get to work. Incredible. Yeah. It's outrageous. So I'm asking this morning, can you still afford to take the train? Have you made sacrifices to the family budget because of these uh, ridiculous rail fares? The government say they need to charge more uh, for an improvement in services. I haven't seen an improvement in rail services in 30 years of riding the trains. Yep. You? They're yep. still the same crowded old uh, buckets that we ride in. So yep. that's what we want to know this morning. On the big phone in on 08459 455 555. That's the phone number. From 9am. I, lo- I should look forward to listening to it. Are you doing the consumer hour later? Yeah, we're doing that as well. Yeah. I like I love that. that. I love that. I do. I genuinely love it. It's my favourite hour on of any radio it's station at any fun. point, and it's it's particularly because some of the people. Because I did it for a week, and I hated doing it. The actual. Why well, I love phone- it. I you, love you like phoning up these companies? Yes. And off. I do it at home anyway. Really. Really. I was always complaining about something. Yes. I see. When I compa- complain at home, though, my, I've had to stop. My wife says I'm not going to let you make. I the phone get this calls. because I'm aggressive. Apparently, not assertive. Do you get that? I'm, you ag- have to I'm be aggressive. Assertive. Don't be aggressive. It, it turns out that shouting at them is not it, good. Apparently, it's inappropriate. No. Oh, absolutely. Well, they shouldn't have messed up my phone line That's then. That's what I say, yeah. David, look forward to see, uh, you. hearing you later on. David Prever in for Jonathan Vernon-Smith. If you want to email him, you can now. Show at bbc.co.uk. Now, rail campaigners say they are holding protests at stations throughout the UK. Uh, no, this is, this, is the wrong, this is the wrong thing. This is the wrong thing, isn't it, the rail protesters? Handing, are they? Are the protesters there today, Jane? There are not protesters there today. They're handing out Christmas cards, I think. Before that was Christmas. That was before Christmas. That isn't today at all. This is nonsense. No, the train fares are going up. And Jane, you have been at Luton train station this morning talking to commuters. What's what's been happening? I have. Well, obviously, a lot of people aren't happy about the price rises. The average season ticket has gone up by four point three percent this year, and for the average train ticket, it's three point nine percent, which is obviously a bit of an increase. Uh, some of the people I've been speaking to, though, have only been commuting into London for like the last six months they've got a new job mm. it's great isn't it congratulations um, so their attitude is it's the price they've got to pay to earn a living and get into work mm. but the campaign for better transport says that over the last 10 years increases have rocketed the average season ticket by 1300 pounds gulp over the last decade that's a 20 percent faster than wages and i spoke to george who was on his way to catch a train out of luton he's been commuting into london for 30 years i asked him how prices have changed over that time it's been going up and up and up and uh, no respite the service is not as good as it should be um it's just one of those things i have to go to work i have to get into london it's just a shame that it's going up so much and the service is not getting any better 
Can I ask you how much your season ticket is? It's over 4,662, something like that. And how does that compare from last year? Uh, it's gone up by quite uh, about 8%, something like that, at least. How does that make you feel? Uh, sad. <laughs> uh, but one of those things, I've got to pay because I've got to get into work. That's so much money! It is, isn't it? The government says there are reasons for the price rises. When, when you told people at Luton, how did they react to that? Yeah, they, they do say that Transport Minister Norman Baker has been saying that the government's reduced the planned rail, uh, rail fare rise uh, from it was going to be the retail prices index, that's mm. inflation basically, plus 3%. Now it's just the RPI plus 1%. Um, and he said they're engaged in the biggest rail investment programme since the 19th century and it's fair that the train passenger pays their share. I mean, that argument wasn't actually lost on some of the commuters I spoke to. David, for example, has been travelling into London for the last six months. He's quite calm about the rise in his ticket. Yeah, the increase today's ticket's gone up uh, just a pound, so I think I could just about live with that one. That's not too bad. How does it compare with what you thought it would be when you first came to buy a ticket? Um, uh, actually, it's slightly more, because I'd heard on the news this morning it was going to be uh, a 5% increase. And actually, it's kind of more than 5% when you work it out, even though it's only a pound. How does that make you feel? Um, no, that's, I, I understand. We've got to kind of keep the railways going, haven't we? And uh, there's definitely a need for investment in the railway. So, uh, yeah, I can, I can live with this one. Well, despite that view from David there at Luton train station, the campaign for better transport says the time has come to stop the price rises and it's launched a petition. Jane, thank you very much indeed. How does it affect you, the train uh, fares? Have you, have you gone in today with a shock? Did you know it was coming? 08459 455 555. Has it made you question your travel arrangements and your work arrangements? Is there a chance that you might have to move... Or look for a job that's a little bit nearer. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call and let us know how it's been affecting you. The BBC in beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. I have a, a thumbs up. Apparently Russell Grant's coming on the show tomorrow. He's coming on the show tomorrow, and I like Russell, and I, I've, I've, I, know Russell is, I know Russell to say hello to. He's a big lovey, and he's fantastic. And it's going to be hard for me to argue with Russell tomorrow, because it's, it's, it's kind of tough, isn't it? You know, someone's such a nice bloke, arguing with them. But astrology and stars, and it, it, it's all a nonsense, isn't it? All of these, the, 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 the Express, pages 28 and 29, Lorry Reed. Sorry to pick on her, but she's been doing this all week. She looks like a lovely lady. Laurie looks fantastic, the kind of lady I'd like to go and have tea and cake with. But, uh, really, continuing her guide, Daily Express astrologer Laurie Reed reveals how your health will fare during 2013. Sagittarius. With all the work you'll be doing around your home and garden this year, it looks as though you'll be getting plenty of exercise. The signs that passionate Mars can be boosting your sex drive this year is a positive reinforcement. Are you Sagittarius, November to December? Are you looking forward to having your sex drive boosted by Mars? Capricorn, you begin this year in buoyant mood and your spirits are at an all-time high. On the, on the downside, though, health could prove a pressure point. Keeping your weight down will be a challenge. It's vague, generalised nonsense that could apply to absolutely anybody. Doesn't, 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 there's nothing specific about it at all. Have you, we will carry this on tomorrow, because uh, it, it is such a, a bugbear of mine. Have you had your own personal horoscope 
star chart done. The one where you go in and say, right, I was born on June the 9th at 7.36 in in South London, and this is... uh, And they go, right, well, this is exactly what your stars are. Have you had that done? Has it proved accurate? 08459 On the subject of trains and train fares going up, Elizabeth in Baldock. Good morning, Elizabeth. Hi there, morning. Good morning. Are you, are you happy about these train fares? Um, well, I have to admit, I'd only use them to go into London yep. when I need to access the shops or hospital, OK? Yes, so, OK. But I, we are First Capital Connect, and we don't appear to be getting any investment at all. The last year, I used South West trains, yeah. and they were gorgeous. Mm. You can plug your phone in, you can plug your computer in. This was Virgin. I mean, you can see the improvement. But out here, uh, between Cambridge and heading out towards King's Lynn or out in that direction, we don't appear to get any of that. And I was just wondering... Why? I hadn't used trains until a couple of years ago. I hadn't used them for years. I always yeah. chose to drive everywhere. And then I had a job that was up here, um, in Blackpool, unfortunately, and I got the train. And I hadn't been on the train in years. And it was, uh, it was a virgin train. And it was amazing. Well, precisely. I could, th- there, were, there were PowerPoints there, yeah, and you could plug things it. in. But why aren't we getting some of this? I mean, as it stands at the moment, if I want to go south, and there's three or four of us going, I can do it in the car, mm. very basic car, for 30 quid yep. in one direction. And that's going 120 miles and 30 quid back. Trains, listen, I, I thoroughly believe that trains should, it should be cheaper for a group of four people to get the train somewhere than yeah. it should be for them to drive. We're being but, encouraged to use less petrol, yeah. get off the roads, get rid of all the congestion. We'll make the trains affordable then. But I think the, the, the trains, the carriages, should be standard across the country, not in some places where this is fantastic, and in others, we're getting nothing. Mm. I tell you, the best train in the world, Elizabeth, yeah. the Shinkansen, the bullet train in Japan, I've been on it a few times, it's the most amazing train in the world. It's super fast, it's yeah. silent, there are PowerPoints, yeah. and uh, what they do, this, this is brilliant, this is a basic they should have on all trains, because I hate going backwards on a train, it makes me feel sick, right? <laughs> so all the seats face yeah. forward, yeah. then when it gets to the end of the line, people come through, clean it, and they can mm. switch the seats around, so yeah. they all face forward going the other way. Yeah, I mean, that... I mean, Genius. That would be out of this world. I mean, we've just settled for, for something like the Virgin train. Wouldn't we just? Elizabeth and Baldock, thank you very much indeed. The Shinkansen in Japan is amazing. It's the best train in the world. And at the end of the journey, you see all these uh, little sort of maids, they go on, they sweep through it, cleaning everything. And then they switch the seats around. You're never facing backwards. It's obvious, isn't it? Genius. More from me at nine o'clock. Okay, you know the drill now, right? Right, Yeah, go on. Okay, it's been. First one was woefully pathetic. The one an hour ago was just really sarcastic and actually a sackable (laughs) offence. But I'm feeling generous. Right. Okay. Thanks. So, uh, Catherine, did you um, did you have a good Christmas and New Year? Yeah. Yeah. It was all right. Yeah. Did you miss me? Oh, I missed you loads. See, it wasn't hard, was it? Yeah. Idiot. The BBC in beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. I expect certain standards and respect from my staff. Oh, hang on. Not allowed to call them my staff anymore. My team. 
<laughs> you know, a memo went round. Someone complained anonymously. Uh, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, here every weekday, six till nine o'clock. Another 28 minutes or thereabouts until David Prever fills in for Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Coming up in the last half an hour, Christmas vandals, astrology, and when do you start to feel old? 08459 I said 08459 455555. You got that love? Good. Now, as from yesterday, something dramatic changed about the whole way financial services are sold. For years, if you were sold a pension, an endowment, or almost any investment arranged by a life insurance company, you'd be paying commission. Well, from this year, the Financial Services Authority has banned commission-based selling from product providers to financial advisors. The aim is to stop policies, such as private pensions and investments, being missold by sales staff motivated by commission payments. So, good news for the consumer. Let's get more from our business reporter, Adam Kirtley. Morning, Adam. Morning, Ian. I'm glad you didn't call me your business staff. No, I, I, the, the memo has gone round and I've had my wrist slapped. <laughs> You're part of the team now. You're my reporter. Uh, why has this uh, been brought in? What's, what's happening? It's, it's basically the latest attempt by the Financial Services Authority, Ian, to cut the risk of mis-selling. You see, historically, um, people have gone in to buy a pension or some sort of financial investment, you know, save 50 quid a month uh, into an investment trust or something. And the financial advisor, be they one that's in a bank selling the bank's own products or an independent financial advisor, have often said, yes, this is what I think you should do. This is what I think you should do. Here's product A. Here's product B. Here's product C. And steered you some sometimes towards, say, product B, and it's appeared to be free. The advice he's given, you've nothing to pay mm. there and then. But, of course, what happened was that, that his fee, as it were, would come from that um, investment company in the form of commission, which would come out of the pot you were putting into it. So of your 50 quid a month, a quid or two might have gone in commission to the financial advisor now from yesterday that's illegal now they must tell you what the costs are how you're expected to pay for it etc so that it's clear to you that the advice has cost you money and this is how much it's cost so they 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 won't be getting the commission out of it now they will be but they have to declare the commission it it it, well it it depends they won't be allowed to get simply to simply take the commission payments from the product providers they'll have to point it out so it might be that they say look if you take this product out that company will pay us the financial advisor x hundred pounds or whatever Mm. this is how you're expected to pay you can either give us a check or uh they will take it out of the but it'll be transparent which it never has been before will the consumer end up paying more though well, that depends. You see, it depends on what, whether the, 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 the financial advisor chooses to go down that route. It may be that the financial advisor will say, actually, I'm going to charge you £1,000 mm. for giving you a financial review, but anything that you put into an investment, uh, we, will, you, you, you know, we won't take commission on, or if they do get paid a commission, that would go back to you or whatever it is. Um, the details will depend on the independent financial advisor or, um, you know, the product you're taking out. What is interesting, though, I think, Ian, is that several of the big banks, for example, Lloyd's, it will now only give face-to-face financial advice with people with over £100,000 oh. to invest. Oh, I so say. a little investor like V and me, we're not worth it anymore. Why? Probably because they can't hide behind that commission anymore. RBS, Royal Bank of Scotland, has got rid of over 600 financial advisors. Again, is it because the little man is no, more, no longer worth 
bothering about because these commissions are, are going to be uh, illegal. So it's a very tricky one. The danger is, of course, that when you see the cost of something, you're going to go, hang on a minute. Mm. I thought this was free. Now I see I'm going to pay 1200 quid in whatever charge it is. I don't think I'll bother or I'll do my own research. Well, this is the thing. We're, we're supposed to be encouraged, aren't we, to be getting pensions and investing in pensions. But if you've got to pay 600 quid, 1000 quid up front to a, a, an advisor then you probably well, maybe you won't will you if it's up front that's quite difficult because you've got to find that money it may be that you can still pay it over time but you now know that 600 quid of that investment is is got to go in in effectively fees to the financial advisor and uh, the frightening thought is this in in a deloitte survey 87% of customers that bought a savings or investment product using a bank advisor, so not an independent one, but a bank mm. advisor, f- uh, believed that uh, it was free, that advice wow. was free. And, of course, it wasn't. Uh, Adam, listen, I, I, so Lloyds will be speaking to people who've got over £100,000 to invest, will they? Oh, yeah, they still think... Well, yeah. Well, I'll, give a, I'll, give is, I'll give them a call. I'll yeah, give them a call this afternoon. A, thank you, Adam Kelly. Thank you very much indeed. It's our business reporter. Not business staff, business reporter. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Love this uh, item in the Telegraph today. Life begins at 40, we feel old by 59. A survey has been conducted. uh, And it it turns out that we think we are old, on average, about 59. It's before then, isn't it? Let's be realistic. Patricia's in Stevenage. Patricia, when did you become old? I'm not old. Sorry? I'm not old. You have an old voice. I may be, yes, but I'm not old. May I ask, of what vintage are you? Well, let's put it this way. Um, I was a war baby, so sort of late, late 40s. The late, late 40s is when you were born, not your, your yeah. age. Yeah. I'm going I'm to hazard a guess, um, 66? Something like that. Yeah, well, it will be in two weeks' time, anyway. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank so, but, you very much. But you don't, you don't feel old, because 66, let me be honest, and I'm going to be frank, Patricia, don't be offended. Carry on. 66 is old. No, it's not. I'm, I'm going to be 40 this year, no, and that's old. Uh, no, 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 no. It's only in your brain if you think you're old. Your old, 40. saggy brain. <laughs> yes. Now, you've got to do t- one of two things. Yes. Grow old gracefully and forget everything about it. Yeah. And only think you only know you're... You only know you're old. You never actually think you're old. You're younger, right, than Mick Jagger. Yeah, I know. Uh, Doesn't he look stupid, though? Do you not watch him, Patricia, and think, oh, grow up, for goodness sakes? I think he's funny, but then we... (laughs) I don't think he's meant to be funny. Well, well, that's... that's, When you get to a certain age, you think that things that are going on are funny. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter how old you are, if you can still do the things you did when you were 20, 30, or 40, if you can still do those, then you're not old. It's only when you know you can't do things that you feel old. Patricia, stay there a second. Mary and Hemel. Mary? Yes? Are you anywhere near the phone, Mary? Yes. Okay. You're old, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> I feel that today. Yeah. H- how old are you? 78? 75. 76 this year. 76 this year. So you, wh- when did you start to feel old, Mary? I suppose about ten years ago, really. So, uh, around about 65, 66, which is the, yeah. Patricia, Patricia, Mary felt old at your age. What was she doing wrong? She was giving in to it. Mm. You'll never give in to it, sweetheart. <laughs> well, now, I, I mean, that. I dance, I, I go to London, I go out to, you know, do shopping and all sorts of things like that. I'd never give in to it, because the minute you give in to it, you are old. 
I suppose so, but I was just riddled with, gradually got riddled with arthritis. Oh, you're not the only one, sweetheart. Restricted, unfortunately, but it's not my lifestyle. I'm no interest in going shopping. I'm not a shopping person, and I don't much well, like going to theatres. Well, what are you? Well, yeah, well, that's the point. You've like got to give. I like walking my dog. Oh and, dear. And I, of course, I had a husband then, but my husband died in July. Oh well. You can so get of course, I, one, I feel like I'm 150 now. <laughs> oh no 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 no! Never give in, sweetheart. I mean, I have done. I have friends who dance, and they're eighty-six. They dance in shows and they do oh, all the I things. I couldn't do that. I couldn't. Well, I mean, see, even I'm I'm beginning to feel arthritic. But quite honestly, never give in. Well, I if couldn't you... do that. I'm afraid not with my arthritis. Oh well, you have I'm to. I'm going walk. in for surgery uh, for my knee on the fifteenth. That's right. So that's one thing. It's not. You know, but uh, I couldn't do that. Everybody's different, my dear. Mm. Uh, it's just not my lifestyle to go well, dancing. You, and you go, you go and sit. You go and sit in the corner and crochet. Patricia and Stephen, it's me, Al. I like knitting. But <laughs> there we go. Well, I, mean, I have a friend who knits and crochets and goes to um, work <laughs> for the, uh, the sh uh, fairs and church fairs and things like oh, that. Yeah. I'd love to volunteer, but I just, for, for sh uh, charity shops and things, or whatever, but my trouble is I can't stand for too long, and I just feel I'd be a liability to No, you wouldn't. <laughs> Do your own thing. Get up and do your well, own that's thing. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> Patricia, listen, Patricia, we shall let you go, because the lines look great. Thank you so much for that. A little bit of an elderly person catfight. M Mary, you didn't <laughs> call in for that, though, did you? You called no. in for this astrology nonsense. Yes, it was just some years ago, my sister, she heard of this astrologer, uh, and she, she only did it by letters. So she wrote to the lady, and she uh, would do it only by her handwriting. She what? told my sister things that my sister wasn't aware of at all. I can't remember what she, oh, uh, right, yeah. thought, you know, told her for the future, but I know that she told her various things from her past that my sister, some of them my sister didn't even know herself. People that were in my sister's past and my mother's past, uh, or our mother's past, and when my sister queried with my mother, my, my mother was absolutely flawed. Hang on a minute, Mary. You know that? She got this... All from reading her handwriting. Yes. No. Yes, and it. Are you sure that her handwriting didn't say my mum used to have a friend called Susan <laughs> and that she died yes, with I a grey cat and? She said a thing like there was a nun watching over my mother, uh, watching over my sister, and her name was Margaret. My sister had never heard of this. My mother never talked about really her background. She had rather a, an unhappy childhood. Yes. So my sister told my mother. And my mother said, "How on earth did you know that?" She didn't even know it. But that's what she told her, you know. But, of course, there are a lot of charlatans. Of course there are charlatans, and they're yeah. a fantastic band. But, Mary, look, astrology, look, yes. the reading your stars in the newspaper, the, the Russell Grant, people like that. Oh, it, rubbish. It's bunkum, isn't it? Yes, I agree. How, ca how, can, how can Uranus have <laughs> any effect, the planet, yeah. have any effect yeah. on what's happening in your, you know, on your sex life? Well, I, I don't know about that, but what I do know is... There's such a generalisation, it's like taking millions of people and putting them into one slot, and how can we all be the same? How can we? We're all individuals. Yes. How, we're all individuals, Mary. Thank you very much indeed. Mary and Hemel there. Doesn't believe in astrology, but she does believe that a woman could predict the future by reading the letters that her sister had written. I love, I love all of this stuff, and I would so, and I've said this before, and I've put this challenge out on every radio station I've ever worked on. 
if there is someone who could communicate with the dead, right, could communicate with the dead members of my family and could prove it to me and say things that only I would know, do it. Come and do it and you will convince me and I will completely change my tune. If there is someone listening to this show who can communicate with dead people and can talk to members of my family and find out things that only members of my family would know, by talking to dead people, 08459 455 555. It will never happen. It will never happen. That was fun, wasn't it? Right, stars, horoscopes, astrology and all that. The, the, the people involved with it are normally very lovely people. Russell Grant, who I think may be coming on the show tomorrow, is such a nice man. He's, I've worked with him a couple of times, only a few times, and he's such a charming man. He's tweeted me a few times. He's delightful and lovely. But horoscopes is rubbish. It's rubbish. You know, it is rubbish. And that's what makes it so difficult. Because these people are so nice. The caller we had on earlier on, who does horoscopes, is, is an astrologer, was a really nice bloke. But it's rubbish, isn't it? Really. Planets? Stars? Uranus? No. Not absolute nonsense. Jane is in Aylesbury. Good morning, Jane. Morning. This is nonsense, isn't it? Nonsense! No way is it nonsense. Well, why? Well, early, very early last year, at the yes. end of the year, um, my mum reads horoscopes and she says, oh, someone's interesting for you. Um, watch your bank account, you're going to be getting a large sum of money. Oh, yeah. Um, and this went on for nearly all, nearly all the week and until the following week, it mentioned about having money coming to me. Yeah. Um, no, look, no word of a line. Uh, three weeks later, I got a cheque for £8,000. Right. And I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. Um, and it's like... But hang on, but that makes... So what star sign are you? A cancer? No, I'm Leo. Leo. Thought it was going to be my next one. <laughs> uh, you see, you sound like a Leo. Uh, so, but that means that all of the millions of Leos... Yes, exactly. I know, I know but would have how, got... how many people are going to be getting a large sum of money? Well, apparently, 12% of the... Uh, the, the, the a twelfth of the population are going to be, if we believe that. Because yeah, it was telling, it was telling yeah. a twelfth of the population mm. to check their bank accounts because money was going to be coming in. Yeah. It's, but, but how many of those people actually got it? I don't know, but I must have been the lucky one. But then it proves... <laughs> <laughs> Jane! Oh, it proves that it's not astrology, then. It's no, just luck. No, it's not. It's coincidence. I'd never had any idea it was coming. All right, listen to this. this is your, these are your, your health stars for the year, OK? Right, according okay. to the Express, right? Yeah. January powers in with strength and vigour as Mars boosts your energy, but you could, your fa- you could find yourself wound up in the first couple of months of the year when rushing could lead to accidents. So beware. Sound about right? Well, I'm always rushing around anyway. Yeah, yeah. So. On the other hand, try not to get too complacent or sedentary. Insist on parking just a little further away and walk those extra few yards. Well, I'm doing exercises. Yeah. You're, you're a warrior by nature, aren't you? sometimes yeah but it's your stomach and intestines that suffer so that's yeah. why a good diet of whole foods and natural products is essential yeah i do suffer with my stomach yeah of course you do <laughs> mentally much of the stresses and strains you experience early next year ease away in spring and in april you can breathe a sigh of relief yeah well we'll have to wait and see on sounds that about right doesn't it though does it sound right even though jane you're leo and i was reading virgo oh. i was reading john virgo to you <laughs> jane <laughs> You've been duped by that old... You see, they, they apply to anyone. Yeah, I know, but to, to actually be told... Yeah. 
that you're going to get a significant amount of money, and when you need it... Yeah, that's the handy thing. Uh, Jake, listen, love you to talk to you. Thank you very much for coming on. Happy New Year. And you. Take care. There we go. We'll be speaking to Russell Grant tomorrow, and uh, we'll continue this conversation. Now, when did you start to feel old? A survey by the Department of Work and Pensions says that we think old age starts at 59. Earlier on in the show, Doris and Stevenage gave me a call. I'm still turning old. May, may I ask, what age are you? I should be 91 in April. Well, well congratulations you for making it this long. Well done. Mm. Doris, with, with, with all due respect, do you not feel that you turned old about, I don't know, 50 years ago? Well, I do, yes. Well, I don't say 50 years ago, but I mean... 45? Twelve months ago, I was in hospital in in an um, intensive care. Oh blimey! I had a fall and smashed my leg. Oh, Doris! But I'm going on now. I've had all my exercises. I do them every morning. Exercises every morning? Yes. I barely do them every year. What have you done this morning? Push ups, weightlifting. Well, you sitting down? Yes. One leg forward and the other leg back. Oh. Toe and heel. Yeah. And then punch your arms forward and backwards. So you're doing karate? Yeah. Luminec. Well, uh, television presenter and voice of the older generation, it says here, Dame Joan Bakewell joins me now. Good morning, Dame Joan. Good morning, dear. Are you old yet? I don't feel old, but I am I'm numerically old. Mm. There, there is a difference, isn't there? Very, there's a very great difference, and people age in their own minds at different rates, and indeed in their bodies at different rates. Some people do stay active and fit, and as we know, a lot of people begin to feel the wear and tear on their bodies. They lose hearing um, um, perceptions, their memory goes a bit, um, there are, they need glasses, they find it difficult walking upstairs. These are all symptoms of the body ageing, mm. and it's inevitable it will age, um, it's just a matter of uh, wh- at what point it, it, you notice it. I'm, I'm turning 40 this year, Dame Joan, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of worried about it, and I, <laughs> I, I am, I am nervous about it, I'm a little bit upset, and I feel... Old. I make that noise when I get out of the chair. I go, mm. so much so that my three-year-old son now makes that noise because he hears me doing it. What am I doing wrong, Dame You're Joan? making a noise. Stop <laughs> making the noise. God, it's an effort to get up. That's the thing. It's, well, I mean, you perhaps need some more exercise Maybe. or the chair's too low or whatever. The point is, you do, you do feel it mm. um, if you don't stay exercised. One of the great ways of growing old is to stay... You need to be more have more exercise you get older not less mm. you really do because that will keep you alert and you need to be um, to change your way of life as little as possible and it's then that you notice it when you have you get you lie later in bed because you feel too tired mm. um, although in fact one of the symptoms of growing old is that you don't need you so sleep less sleep. you sleep less this is my great fear i love sleeping how am i going to fill the time if i'm awake more You'll find lots of interesting things to do. Keeping lots, the, the, the thing about growing old is you have a lot of time to do the things you never had time for before. Mm. Your children have grown up with, your, with a bit of luck, the mortgage is paid off. You've got time. Not for, not for things that consume money, but for things that you might enjoy. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? That a, a lot of people, a lot of people who are growing old, they don't do that. And they kind of just let themselves vegetate almost by watching all that rubbish they put on daytime TV. Well, there are a lot of cliches about growing old. And if you're not careful, you start to imitate mm. the way people are old in the soaps, mm. you know, and that they stoop or they, um, or they get 
crotchety, you know, um, Meldrew behaviour, you do tend to get a bit full of complaints as you get old. You want to discuss your ailments and complain about the postal service and things (laughs) like that. It wasn't like this in my day and thing. You forget how many more wonderful things there are to enjoy these days. Old people should most certainly be on the internet and and, and tweeting and laptopping and so on. The thing that you haven't done, that a lot of old people do, is you haven't, within 30 seconds, gone, well, I'm, I'm 86 years old and a lot of people feel the need to, to kind of brag about their age, don't they? Yeah, it's rather sweet, isn't it? It's, it's because it's an achievement, because one of the characteristics of growing old is that your contemporaries die. I mean, you do, you suffer a lot of loss as mm. you get older. That must be hard, hard. yeah. That's hard, particularly if it's your partner. I mean, that really is a, is a, a terrible uh, grief. Mm. But, um, but the actual need to sort of celebrate being 90 or whatever um, is, is certainly strong because it is a, an achievement. and You've come a long way. You've lived from a, very, uh, from a world which was totally different to what young people recognise today. Uh, my, my grandchildren talk about the olden times when I talk about my, when I was, you know, when there were no mobile phones and there weren't even any televisions. They can hardly imagine a world like that. Yes. Well, you, so, yeah, I, I, yes, I'm old enough to remember when there were only three channels and, and people, are, excuse me, what, there were only three cha- Yeah, and it stopped at four o'clock in the afternoon, the TV. <laughs> That's right. Then you had to go and do something. Well, you, you have, obviously have a very positive attitude, Dame Joan. What, 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 what can I do to, to, to try and get this positive attitude? It seems to me that you're doing extremely well. You've really? got a job you enjoy, and b- which brings you into contact with a lot of people of different attitudes. That's very important. One of the things about growing old is to try and make friends with the younger generation, which is um, helpful because then you stay in touch with what's shaping their attitudes to things. Um, I just think stay active. Stay, do all the things you did, but do the things that you prefer. Dame Joan, I, as I say, I'm turning 40 this year. I've asked my wife, I hate parties and I hate large groups of people, but I've asked my wife to prepare a surprise party for me. I want to walk into a room and have all of my friends go, surprise! And I'm, oh, you guys. Dame Joan, would you like to come to my 40th birthday party? <laughs> yes, I'll be the surprise. I will send you an invitation. Lovely to talk to you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you, you very much. There we go. Wasn't that nice? Dame Joan Bakewell there. She's invited. She'll be bursting out of the cake, no doubt. Seriously, I hate birthday parties, but this year, and if it doesn't happen, I'm genuinely going to probably split up with my wife, because I've been banging on about it for about the last ten months. I want a surprise party. I want to walk into a room with the lights off, and everyone, the lights go on, surprise! And it's going to be fancy dress. And I think it's going to be military-themed. I think. Not totally convinced on that, but I'm, I'm edging, erring towards having a military-themed birthday party fancy dress. I just like to dress up as, um, like, Top Gun, or a, an admiral from a boat, or the captain of the love boat. That's what I'd like to dress up as, yes. I'm going to be the captain of the love boat at my 40th birthday. How sad... Does that sound? Well, that was nice having Dame Joan. That was good fun today. I enjoyed that. Well, there we go. I think we got away with it again this morning, didn't we? It was nice having Dame J- uh, Joan Bakewell. Tomorrow, hopefully, fingers crossed, touch wood, uh, Russell Grant will be coming on the show. Ooh. Yes, I know, exciting. Ooh. To try and defend the nonsense that is astrology. No. How is that even possible? No. That's it. That's your lot. I'm back tomorrow at six. That's the voice of David Prever you can hear. He's <laughs> filling in for Jonathan Bernard Smith. See you tomorrow. Ta ta. Beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Ian will now...
now make that noise as he gets up off the chair. Happens at a certain age. Good morning. Jonathan is away for another 10 days. Are we sort of back to normal? I think we are.